Wild Hogs is a rich tapestry of content. Perhaps the richest? Never has there been a tapestry richer than this one. Fuck you, Bayou Tapestry. You're not nearly as rich as Wild Hogs. <laughs> uh, so much so that for only the second time in, in Gruntwork history... Uh, have we had to break an episode in half? Uh, I mean, well, there was the finale of of uh, yes. of, of Home Improvement, certainly. But that then was also, the first I mean, instance. Un- undo inf- does Undo Influence count? I guess because that was a two part movie. It was a two part thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is the second time we've had to call an audible and and do a two parter. Yes. Exactly. Uh, and so I don't. I, I, we we ended last week's conversation talking about the the definitions of real world bikers uh the the hierarchy of their their structure they they they're anarchists but somehow have enough organization to hire a treasurer yes um, and, and 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 the fact that my, my biggest gripe with violent outlaw motorcycle gangs is how noisy their motorcycles are and none of the violence violence or outlawness <laughs> so uh let i want to have you queue up that um that sound effect because we're about to walk back in the tavern and the music's about to stop as we, oh we continue our conversation for wild hogs the, the second the b- colon second part of the conversation it's really it rolls off the tongue wild hogs to colon the whole hog ha okay so <laughs> at this point in the film uh, they the the boys are we gonna start calling them the boys at this the, point? The, the boys, yeah, because this is the point when the boys get back into town when they arrive in Madrid. The yeah, Madrid. Thank you for the pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Um, oh well, they and the, the boys help me out with that. <laughs> the boys are in Madrid, and the Los Fuegos are uh, Del Fuegos. They are what's that? The Del Fuegos, not the Los. Oh, Del Fuegos. Fuegos. Come on. Oh, see, dude. I I and I internalized that imdb trivia from last week yeah that wait landon did you post that on imdb maybe was it you? Never tell. oh it's back it's back a <laughs> beloved bit better than ever yeah so they've uh, they've blown up the del fuego's bar uh yeah they're very angry and and a key thing that i want to remind everyone of that that needs to be discussed whether or not right now but eventually is that after they initially get conned out of William H. Macy's motorcycle, they go up the road. John Travolta goes back alone to get the motorcycle back. He cuts the fuel lines on all the motorcycles. He steals back William H. Macy's motorcycle. And he yes. tells the rest of the hogs, the rest of the boys, Oh yeah, I went in there, I walked into the bar, I threatened to sue all of them unless they gave me the motorcycle back. And they gave me the motorcycle back. So he lies to them about the fact that he cut the fuel lines. And none of okay. the other bike, none of, no one else knows that the Del Fuego's bar has blown up. Let's start there. Yes, um, and and then we'll go in through because we, we're going to need to to carve out some time to introduce Madrid, which is a character Madrid. in this movie. Yes. Madrid. What yes. do I say? I keep calling it the correct name. You, you keep you keep calling it the name of the much larger and better known and culturally significant city in Spain. Yes. Um, okay. Madrid. Yeah. Madrid. Um. Okay. So why does John Travolta do this? Okay. Uh, now, now I have a I have a quick answer, which is okay because uh, the the because screen movie. because because screenwriter Brad Copeland needed him to do it. It was convenient for the writer for John Travolta to not tell the rest of the hogs that he has uh, mm-hmm. done done an act of vandalism against the Del Fuegos. 
So this is a, a sitcom presence or premise. Uh, th- th- we're, we're working off of sitcom logic. We're working off of sitcom logic, but I want to just now that we've said that, we need to like really unpack how ridiculous this is. So this whole okay. movie is about four suburban men who feel emasculated by their day to day lives, want mm-hmm. you know wanting to go out and reclaim their youthful manhood. They specifically want to have an adventure. And they are constantly kind of in competition with one another to prove who is the manliest, who is the most daring and brave. So John Travolta goes to this bar. He sneaks up there. He uses a knife to cut the fuel lines on all the motorcycles so that the Del Fuegos can't chase them. Steals the motorcycle back. He... It, it makes no sense that he wouldn't brag to everyone about doing that because that's an objectively cool thing to do. That's Rambo ass yeah. shit. If you're feeling like, if you're feeling like you've been downtrodden and beaten down by modern day life and that you've lost a step in middle age, uh, cutting the fuel lines on a violent biker gang's bikes and uh, like then accidentally blowing up their entire. Uh, tavern yeah yeah stealing a motorcycle yeah that's cool as hell and i would listen i i am i i don't i if i did that if you and i were on a motorcycle trip and i did something like that i would be bragging the fuck out of it to you and to everyone else and i feel like i'm much more self-actualized than john travolta in this movie but it it, it makes no sense yeah even even not like if i'm john travolta and my my reason is i don't want to tell them because this is going to lead to our imminent demise. Mm -hmm. I would still need to tell them. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Because the imminent demise emphasis on the imminent part. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is no, there is no reason for him to not tell them that he did it. Like, everyone is going to be like, holy shit, it's cool that you did that. Furthermore, the big conflict for most of the rest of the movie is that the guys are all just having a good time, and John Travolta is always looking over his shoulder, worried that the Del Fuegos are coming, like, we've got to move, we got to get going, we got to keep riding, we got to keep, because they're going to come looking for us. So it's like, it only would work to his benefit to tell them this, both because it would prove that he is the <laughs> wildest of the hogs, and it would help them keep their hogs out of the fire, so to speak. Right. Uh, and then... Also, the excuse that he gives, like the fake story he tells them that, oh, I went in there and I threatened to sue everybody unless they gave us the bikes back. <laughs> like, threatening, Pretty to, lame. threatening to sue people is the wussiest, lamest <laughs> thing you can do. It's the Karen-ass move. Like, come on, really? That? Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. 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 So, no, we're, we're on the same page. It's, it is uh, a contrived... Um, uh, choice just to give him a bit of comedy in this this last bit and and i mean look it does lead to it does lead to some funny bits of as i mentioned in the previous episode john travolta freaking out trying to keep this secret from his friends and yeah. like going absolutely insane so it prompts some funny moments but it is a it is just a logical uh, uh, such a hurdle you have to make. Like it runs contrary <laughs> to everything the movie is about and everything this character is. You know, I I would imagine that most people. I'm not gonna say all, but most people who went to see this movie in the theater, um, didn't need to break it down analytically for a four hour podcast. 
I don't know. And Are they you were sure? Probably more willing to go along with it. I know, maybe uh, like if have you looked for other podcasts about wild hogs? They might all be two parters. Some of them might even be three parters. Who even knows? Oh, shit. Or an entire entire podcast series dedicated to wild. I, yeah, honestly, the the look there's there's podcasts where they watch like heat minute by minute. Maybe they're doing that with wild hogs. <laughs> uh, okay, but so they they have uh, so this is why this is why also they run out of gas in when they get to Madrid because initially they stop just down the road from the Del Fuego's bar, which only John Travolta has seen explode. And yes. and the the guys are all wanting to fill up their bikes with gas there, and Travolta's saying, "No, no, no, we gotta go. We gotta just keep moving. We got momentum. Let's go. Let's go." And he rides yeah. off. They all follow him. We don't see them. They, they don't see. We see. They do not see that they've passed a sign saying "Last Gas for 200 Miles." Now, uh, I'm going to point out a logical hole here, which okay. is next gas 200 miles. Yes, they end up in Madrid. I don't believe it's 200 miles away, and they have gas here. I mean, yes, okay, that is true. I mean, they are out of gas when they arrive. They're walking their bikes yeah. through the desert and and But they're able dying. you wouldn't be able to walk your bike 200 miles through the desert. That's definitely true. I would not be this able is, to do that, and these hogs wouldn't either. This is maybe at most 20 miles away. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so false advertising on that sign, that's for damn sure. <laughs> I want to see the story between uh, that gas station owner and the owner of the gas station in Madrid, uh, where the one on the outskirts is just like, you know what? Fuck Madrid. They exiled me from that town, and now I'm going to make sure everyone doesn't know that they exist, so I'm going to try to squeeze as much gas out of them as I can uh, so that they don't ever have to fill up when they're there. I mean, look, like, that... Madrid does have a certain kind of brigadoon vibe to it of a town that kind of doesn't really exist. Like it, it yeah. is a place that seems to exist outside reality or only reveals itself to hogs in need. I, 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 it is. Are you, are so... you posing a a uh, scenario in which the wild hogs actually died at the hands of the Del Fuegos, and this is some sort of shared? Uh purgatory experience i uh, honestly yeah it's the island from lost maybe yeah it's uh <laughs> yeah the, I, I don't know like this that's the real reason they didn't make a sequel it's because the canonically the hogs are dead um <laughs> d- dead hogs not as not as good of a title um yeah madrid is such a weird thing and it's so strange that the movie becomes this I never yeah. would have guessed that Wild Hogs would turn into what it became. Like, because Madrid is such a singular and strange location. Do, do we just want to talk some about what the deal is with Madrid? Yeah, let's, well, yeah, okay, let's do that. And then I want to break open a few alternatives. But um, they, so, okay, let's just make sure the pieces are set on the, the board here before we begin. <laughs> The elaborate chessboard of wild hogs. The boys are last chance gas. They missed it. They're now walking their their scooters into Madrid. (laughs) Yes. uh, While the Del Fuegos are looking at a map, bikeless, uh, trying to decide where they went. And they decide, well, of course, they're going to end up in Madrid. Mm -hmm. So they're they're hot on their tail. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of where we are as we enter into the second half of this movie, which is wild hogs go to Madrid. 
Yes. Wild hogs go seven samurai, basically. Um, (laughs) Wild hogs go bugs life. So they, they get... They get they walk their bikes into town. It is a quaint, cute little town with kind of the the highway runs right through it, and it's you know there's a diner and an old timey gas station and uh, lots of folksy folks around, and they run into the diner uh, all delirious with thirst and just start screaming and hollering at people for water and uh like tim tim grabs a pitcher of beer off of a family's table growls at them and just starts shotgunning the entire thing uh yeah i I think you know someone else like john travolta shooting himself in the face with a soda gun uh and (laughs) and also i think is this where like marissa tomei the the beautiful proprietor of the well i don't need to explain to you that marissa tomei is beautiful the marissa tomei look i also want to just be cautious because we we've explained the last three movies the female lead we've just called her beautiful so Let's just be careful about that. Uh, okay, well, listen. If the if the movie had given her more of a character outside <laughs> okay, of being beautiful, I mean, look, she is she she's a small businesswoman. She owns this Charming. diner. Uh, she is seems to be well respected by the the people of the town. You know, the sheriff and the others, what have you. She's an independent business owner. Yeah, she's an independent business owner. She has a mischievous streak. Like she mm-hmm. she makes very very spicy chili, and she serves William H Macy some of it at the subsequent uh, uh, chili cook-off. And it makes uh, steam basically shoot out of his ears, metaphorically speaking. And she seems <laughs> yeah, this isn't Little Bigfoot too. This is this is not no. He he is he is he freaks out by how hot the chili is. But you see her allowing herself kind of a wry smile as he runs off. She has a puckish sense of humor, like she knew that was going to happen, and she likes to have a little fun. Um, and also, she's very beautiful because she's Marissa Tomei. So uh, I, I, I'm not trying to reduce her to just her looks. I'm just giving her as as much as the movie has given her. <laughs> Fair point. Okay, uh, enough. Uh, enough. You justified it. En- enough, enough of this. Enough. enough. <laughs> I, it's not the, way, Silence! the word that I meant. To... <laughs> uh, <so> they... Enough. <laughs> End of episode. So everybody, you know, everybody in the diner is kind of wary of them and concerned because they think that these dudes are Del Fuegos. And then the sheriff comes in and kind of tells them politely, hey, we're not looking for any trouble. And then the guys say, oh, no, we're not we're not Del Fuegos. We're just some wild hogs. And the the sheriff is very relieved. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's a load off my mind. He turns around and tells everyone, hey, they're not Del Fuegos. And the whole everyone in town is relieved. And. The sheriff explains to them that, uh, oh, well, yes, the Del Fuegos come through here every few weeks and completely terrorize us, and uh, there's nothing we can do, but, like, you guys are fine. You're welcome to town. There's a big chili festival tomorrow night, uh, or tonight. You should you should join us. Stay the night. And he also tells them, oh, and, yeah, our, our one gas station is closed today, so you'll have to stay overnight if you want to fill up. So now they're stuck in town, much to Travolta's chagrin. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All right, well, that that's a, I mean... Let's pause there for a second and yes. zoom in on a few of these things because yes. the Chili Festival is its own thing. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We've got to talk about the Chili Festival. Here's um, where I'd like to start. Yeah. Stephen Tobolowsky. Yes. Sheriff Tobolowsky. <laughs> uh, the original L, if you yeah. remember uh, oh, from Home Improvement before how can he was I recast. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, and playing in this role kind of a shade of... Al, if you will, kind of endearing, well-meaning, but uh, I, I would say emasculated by the film. Uh, I mean, he is a yeah. 
he the 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 deal with the sheriff i don't know if now is the time to talk about it is that he doesn't carry a gun his deputies don't carry guns they it's madrid it's madrid they it's a why would you need one well and and they used to carry guns but one of the deputies shot the other deputy's ear off so they've instituted a no guns policy the cops just don't have guns yeah. in this town deputies played by uh, uh twin brothers jason and randy sklar uh an amazing stand-up comedy duo yeah whose whose presence in this movie is i would say a little less than amazing uh i don't i don't know that i was amazed no no disrespect to the sklars of course um but he, I mean, well, yeah. I mean, whose character really rings in this movie? Uh, Some performances I, do, but the characters okay. themselves do not. Yeah, you're right. No characterization, not this movie's strong suit. Uh, uh, B roll footage of stuntmen riding motorcycles while a classic rock song plays. That is really uh, Wild Hogs's wheelhouse. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but so the cops don't carry guns, and it's very much just like, oh yeah, we don't we don't do that. Like he, they're just. Stephen Toblowski is very quickly established as kind of an ineffectual, somewhat, you know, well-meaning but cowardly guy. And I feel like that is yeah. the kind of vibe that Home Improvement, perhaps unfairly, tried to put on Al the entire time. Uh, yeah, agreed, for sure. Um, there, there's something that I like. Okay, so with, with Stephen Tobolowsky's character, first of all, he's just a funny guy. I think yes. he, he's just a, a really great comedic actor and dramatic actor, but he's comedic in this. And he has a, a line here that it's one of these things in this movie that should be stupid, but I don't know if it's like if it is actually a clever line or if it's the delivery of it. But um, when he's talking about uh, <laughs> when he's talking about not having guns, um, he says, "Hey, look, I took my law enforcement course on the internet for yeah. arms training. They just told us to play Doom." <laughs> I remember that. That was good. That was good. And then there's a really great callback later after the fight with the Del Fuegos where he's like, well, that was that was harder. Uh, that was more intense than the seventh uh, seventh level of doom, um, which is just, I don't know, a nice callback. They knew it was funny and it was funny. Yeah, it's it's the thing that's weird is that it's. I, I don't know. Did just this late in the movie be introduced to a town with like so many weird bits going on in it? Like there's the sheriff, yeah. you know, there's the deputy with no ear, and oh, the the cops don't carry yep. guns, and and uh... <laughs> well, and, and okay, let's let's start to transition into the festival because what you're talking about, I think, in combination with um, some of the goings on at the festival, like Kyle Gass is in yes. this movie. Yes. He has no lines. They just cut to him periodically doing karaoke on stage. He like doing like really intense hip hop slow jams kind of. <laughs> and he's amazing. Uh it's it's really funny. It's if I could have a dream role in a movie, it's purely just to play a character doing karaoke on stage in the background. Um, I, I, look, honestly, role you're born to play, man. I, I we've talked a <laughs> lot about karaoke in the past, and I, I think you could really crush that. Here's what this brings me to, though: is you've got these these two deputies, one with his ear shot off. You've got this kind of nerdy, uh, I don't know how to, you know, actually stand up for my town kind of sheriff. Uh, all these kind of wacky townsfolk. Um, it, this part of the film feels like they've entered into an Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, honestly, yes. It 
it, it, it like the only thing missing is the kind of Ashuk's everyman who everybody likes, who is you know played by Adam Sandler. And I guess the the reason that the town is in so much trouble with the Del Fuegos is because there isn't that guy there to save the day. Right. But it it, it does it does feel like they grafted like a proto Adam Sandler script onto the back half of wild hogs <laughs> where, where uh, like th- these four, these four hogs together make one Adam Sandler character. <laughs> I, I hear that's going to be the next grown ups movie though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. It's, but it will actually be set in the real Madrid in Spain because that's where Adam Sandler <laughs> wants to go on vacation with his buds. Um, the thing, though, if I may zoom back in on on Kyle Gass for a second, doing yes, these, please. like, because they're they're at the, they, you know, they've been invited to the Chili Festival, they've gone to it, they're staying the night in town, and uh, like, you know, we could these cutaways to him performing on stage. There will be the, the goings on of of you know William H Macy trying the spicy chili or like, you know, whatever like hijinks that the hogs are up to, and then we'll just cut away to him up there on stage singing you know, some sexy hip-hop song. This was like a thing in movies made in the early to mid-2000s that just, like, this came up a lot. Like, the movie, um, like, in The Hangover, there is, Mm -hmm. it's called The Dan Band, and it's like they're singing uh, Candy Shop, like, as a a slow jam. There's like, I feel like this is in old school or something else. Is it in? Well, it's the same Dan Band. Yeah. He's a Todd Phillips guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think it's but in there's, Joker there's also, also at the time, uh, at the time Richard Cheese, who yeah. was a lounge singer that mm-hmm. you know did lounge renditions of, uh, you know, pop songs and rock songs, uh, was also hitting his like peak. Um, uh, yeah, his his cover of the sickness was in the the James right. Gunn uh, Dawn of the Dead movie. James, wait. No, not James. Zack Snyder. Yeah, well, Zack okay. Snyder screenplay by James Gunn. I'm sorry. Dr- Is that dr- right? But yeah, by by vision. Yeah, directed by visionary no director kidding. Zack Snyder, but written by James Gunn. Yeah, really makes <laughs> oh, you think. Oh, interesting. I guess I, I never I, put that together. I always get so paranoid whenever I talk about uh, you know noted director James Gunn because I'm always afraid that I've said Tim Gunn by accident, referring to the <laughs> uh, fashion designer or you know personality from reality shows about fashion and the. They're different guys, believe it or not. They do different things. What? Both of them do what they do well, but they do different things. Um, yeah, but let's, let's talk a little bit about the goings on at the uh, at the festival, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, no, no. Of course, so we, we there's uh, there's. Oh, were you done, sorry, were you done with Kyle Gas? I, I was done with Kyle Gas. Just the, it's this this is very of its time to just like, isn't it funny? This this uh, this kind of like not sexy dude is singing a really profane song to a crowd of people who would not normally be into this type of music. Yeah, um, and it can be lazy, but I, there's something sincere about Kyle Gass. Like he's in tenacious fucking D. They're doing, you know, they're they're doing covers of, you know, the Time Warp and uh, you know, other shit like that. They just did one with of Wicked Game by Chris Isaac. So, mm-hmm. I don't know, there there's it's like he's doing what he loves. It's just a, a lame movie that's showing it. Yes. So they're uh but but so they're there uh, William H. Macy has uh, lamented to the guys. He's talked about, you know, he, he has met he's met Marissa Tomei at the bar or at the uh, at the diner earlier, and has immediately fallen for her super hard. And she, likewise, has made eye contact with him and seems to be interested in him, despite the fact that all he's done is stumble into the bar and haul her for water with all of his idiot friends who trash the place. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, I, I'm not gonna defend this, but. 
I, 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 there's something, I don't know, I wouldn't call it forgivable, but there's something understandable for this type of movie that the reason she gives at some point is, you know, he's nice and he's cute. He's not like the other guys in her past. And yes, that's a trope and that's kind of irritating, but it is William H. Macy and he is nice and he is funny and he is cute. <laughs> Yeah, so yes. it, it's not a hundred percent off base. It's not. I and mean, he's not so bad looking that he couldn't get Marissa Tomei. No, that's very true. And he is like, yes, he is the most like he is the most dateable of any of these guys. Both in that, <laughs> both in that, he's the only one of them who's single, and also he's the he is like actually a nice, well intentioned person whose well, heart is in the right not, place. That's not hundred percent true. I mean, John Travolta is getting divorced, so. True. Between the True. character that John Travolta is playing and the character that William H. Macy is playing, who do you think Marissa Tomei would be more attracted to? I mean, look, it makes yeah, it makes sense. Like, because also John Travolta, kind of the entire time he's in town, is slowly having a nervous breakdown because he's scared of getting killed by bikers. Whereas William H. Macy <laughs> is in is in just the state of blissful ignorance that he lives most of his life in. Yes. Um. There is though he he confesses to the guys. You know, he tells them that he's got a thing for Marissa Tomei, and they say, well, "Why why didn't you why didn't you say something to her at the diner?" And he goes, "Well, I wanted to say something funny, but all I could think of were black jokes," which is a line that just really hit me in the face. Like, oh my God, that was out of nowhere. And there's this whole back and forth with Martin Lawrence going like, yeah, what kind of black jokes were you thinking of? And, and he doesn't want to say, and, and I <laughs> just, that, that was a, that was a bit, that was a William H. Macy line that I didn't need in the movie. That's one that I, I didn't need to remember, except now I'm talking about it on the show. I know. I thought it was kind of funny. I, uh, I mean, I mean, it was it was funny in that it was so shocking to hear him say that. <laughs> yes, and, yeah. Um, but so so he is, you know, they're they're telling him, oh, you should go talk to her. So that's what prompts him to go up to her uh, in line yeah. at the, you know, or at her booth at the chili thing, and and uh, you know, oh, do you want some chili? It's kind of spicy. Oh, I, I well, I, I like spicy. And then he tries to keep his cool, but runs off when he tries it. And this is then. This is intercut with Martin Lawrence and Tim Allen playing some kind of carnival throw the ball at the at the milk cans to win a prize game. And and yes. basically Martin Lawrence throws the ball so hard that it bounces off the back of the of the booth and it hits Tim Allen square in the crotch and then his voice gets super high. And that kind of that moment cutting cutting between William H Macy eating too hot chili and freaking out right to a guy gets hit in the balls and his voice gets high gag. That really does encapsulate, I think, wild hogs in, in like <laughs> 15 seconds right there. That That is what the movie is. I, you know, I talked about this or alluded to it or uh, inarticulated it last week of the complicated nature of the comedy here where it's dumb. I'm not going to argue that's a, a easy, lame stupid joke mm -hmm. yes it's, it's the lowest branch that you can the branch is lying on the ground yes it's been that, buried a dog took it and buried it <laughs> unlike william h macy's bag of shit no um, which which seems to be still with him uh the th the if you're gonna have that joke in here though i feel like tim allen plays it in the best possible way because i mean okay we'll we'll and they don't they don't stress the the high voice thing. I mean, it's just like one or two things. But uh, 
he underplays getting hit in the nuts and it makes it a little bit funnier. Like it, it, it bounces off the back and shoots like it's a, a, a tennis, like one of those things you use for tennis practice, just shoots a ball right at his nuts. And he just kind of like, doesn't buckle over entirely. Just like does a three or uh, one quarter, like crouch with his hands mm-hmm. on his hips and goes, and then just sits down and, uh, I don't know. He could have gone a lot, you know, wilder bigger. with it. Uh, yeah, he yeah. could have gotten wilder with getting hit in the hog, is what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so the restraint made me laugh at it, despite it being as as dumb as it is. I, I, I love that, you know, there, there are movies we've watched that have just made us viscerally angry. Chief among them, California Dreamin'. Like, there are movies Chief that we just Zoom. hated... And but like we we are both really finding things to love about this movie. Like we are going out of our way to find like. And you're right. I I guess reflecting on it, like he does he does underplay getting hit in the nuts and leave it to Tim Allen to be the actor who would take who would bring a really kind of nuanced <laughs> version of being uh you know experiencing genital pain. I mean, so much of his work is about having balls and what they make you do i i guess he would have the the best take on uh what getting hit there looks like um, it, it's weird it's it's like and i i'm not i'm gonna i'm okay i i don't mean to diss the the screenwriter here but this is like this movie is like if you have a script which is really just a blueprint yeah that if you did everything on paper as written uh in the hands of less skilled performers or a less skilled director, or maybe I'm not putting it at the hands or feet of any of those individuals, but mm-hmm. it, it could just be the worst, dumbest, laziest stuff in the world. But there's something going on here mm-hmm. where it's the best version of the lamest script possible. Yeah, yeah, it's like I want folks have no illusions. This is not a good movie. You shouldn't no. watch it. It's it's bad. It's just like I I think that <laughs> we've we've seen how much worse a movie can be. I I think like yes, this like, is a movie. I would not call Zoom a movie. This I, is is you know has character transformations and arcs and goes somewhere and has a point. Yes, th- this movie isn't just them being stuck in Cincinnati having a series of irritating uh, obstacles and roadblocks <laughs> chasing a dog around a park for an hour. Oh my. Um, I, and look, and also, yes, we're taking shots at the script written by Brad Copeland, who produced 40 episodes of Arrested Development and wrote some of the best episodes of the series. And I want to just say, like, the fact that this script sucks, I wouldn't necessarily lay at the... F- I mean, like... I don't think that Brad Copeland's initial draft of this was bad. Probably this script started out a lot better and it got whittled down into this. So yeah, that, who knows? We, we've, in the last, what, five movie episodes, we've talked about <laughs> what the fuck happens during, you know, to a script during the, the filming process and the as, alternate versions that could be. As, as a one-time aspiring screenwriter who's more or less washed out of the industry in pursuit of a cushy job at an ad agency, I just, I feel a certain kinship with all writers of anything because my name is attached to some really <laughs> terrible things that were not terrible because of me. They were terrible because of the moron producers who had so many good ideas, <laughs> heavy, heavy air quotes on good. I think my, I think my pop shield covered up the sound of, of the, the air quotes. Um, oh, Lord. so 
anyway, they're 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 hanging out, and th- this is also. The, the timeline starts to get funky. They're in town for this one yeah. night, and a lot happens, because they're here at the Chili Festival. It's, like, dusk. They're hanging out with the cops. The cops tell uh, it, t- Tim Allen and John Travolta and Martin Lawrence are hanging out with the cops. The yeah. cops say, Presumably, hey, you- this, is, this is the same day that they woke up in the forest spooning each other. Yeah, exactly. They they were getting propositioned by John C. McGinley, like, 12 hours before this. Yes, and that's a long day. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, that is especially when especially when you're an older guy and you know your your back is sore from riding your hog around. Um, <laughs> well, th- let's leave the euphemisms at the door. Yeah, if we talk too much about riding hogs around, John C. McGinley is going to misinterpret them and then aggressively oh, no. pursue us for the rest of the film, uh, or by the by which I mean for the next two scenes. Uh, but they. They are talking to the the police, and they are saying, hey, well, you know, you guys are out riding around trying to prove your manhood. The thing we do in Madrid to prove our manhood is we have a little game called Slap the Bull. And so they then— What did I tell you about leaving euphemisms at the door? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. This, that's the last one. But uh, the the hogs uh, take off with the pigs uh, to go see the bull, and leaving like leaving William H Macy like he's not there when they talk about this, and then they depart to go slap the bull, uh, and and that's that. Um, but so then we get this segment where they go out to a pasture where there is a bull in a pen, and. It's like, okay, it's, you know, the the game is you go up there and you slap it really hard on the butt and then you try to get away without getting gored by the bull and the guys are all daring each other who's going to go in there first and do it. And every everything about this scene is just very much like, okay, well, we ran out of motorcycle hijinks. Like, we did all the motorcycle stuff we can do right. and the movie isn't long enough yet. What's a scene that we can I, insert? <laughs> this is 100% the studio going okay people aren't going to know it's a comedy if we're only showing them on their motorcycles so we need to have something in there to show that they're having a, a good old time yes yeah and you know what i haven't watched the trailer for this so i don't know for sure but oh, i'm this gonna... is 100% in the trailer Th- this I, is... I, I have not i have also not watched the trailer for this but i mean this is Custom built for trailer material. This scene has BTE, big trailer energy, because it's <laughs> it, like because they you know they're standing there looking at it. The cops are standing there with them on the outside of the pen, and it's like I think what Martin Lawrence jumps in first, and he goes running up to the bull, very or creeps up to the bull that's facing away from him, slaps it on the ass, and goes running back. The bull doesn't react at all and jumps out, and it's like, woo, yeah, we did it, we did it, slap the bull, slap the bull, and then they're daring Tim Allen to go in and slap the bull, and... Yeah, and so- Stephen Tobolowsky, you know, or John Travolta's like, that wasn't so hard, and Stephen Tobolowsky, after Tim Allen has walked away toward the the, the bull, he's like, well, it's not you. It's not the first one, now Now that she's awake, or now that he's awake, yeah. uh, it's always the second one that's the that's the danger. Yeah, and, and that's yeah. So no no one in history of of the town has ever been able to to pull off the second slap. Like now that it's aware of you. So then Tim Allen slaps the bull, and now the bull's really mad, and it's chasing Tim Allen around and and trying to get him. And then John Travolta and Martin Lawrence leap into oh, it the gets ring. Him. It gets oh, it gets him. It knocks him down. But then no, it flings him up. <laughs> it fl- okay, so it flings, but but then he's still in the ring, right? Because then yes. Martin Lawrence. So okay, and, yeah. I, I'm watching it unfold in front of my eyes right this second. Oh, uh, lucky you. 
I know, lucky me. Basically, Tim Allen does it. The bull chases after him, flings him in the air, and he hits the ground and starts rolling. And uh, they're like, oh, my God, he's going to die in there. So John Travolta and Martin Lawrence both jump in to try to distract it to get, you know, allow Tim Allen to get out. And at that point, they're kind of all playing Matador and uh, trying to distract the bull and dodge the bull's attacks. Um, but I want to I want to point out real quick that, again, this is the, the kind of complicated nature with humor this movie has, where yeah. it does the very unfunny thing of the bull catches Tim Allen, flings him in the air, and we have some bad, like, mixture of CGI and wire work. Mm. as he goes flying in the air but then it it doesn't linger on it too much like most movies in 2023 would uh it cuts pretty quickly to an actual stunt that looks like a guy jumped from a two-story building onto the ground uh <laughs> and it was a pretty gnarly like uh hit the ground and roll sort of stunt and it it turned what was totally dumb into like, oh God, I didn't expect that level of impact. This movie really put its stunt crew through the paces. There's a, like, there's a lot of brutal falling off motorcycle, getting knocked off motorcycle bits. <laughs> yes. There's like, you know, th this landing on the ground bit that not to mention later, a bunch of people just getting their asses beat. Like yeah. th this, this movie. Yeah. The, the stunt crew earned their pay on this one. Not the, not the stunt performers ever don't stunt performers do incredible work in every movie. Um, I'm trying to think if there's an example where they don't actually, but no, I think my bases are covered. Uh, so, but they, they're all in, in the, the ring and they're running around trying to like distract the bull. And then the bull's chasing after one of them They're distracted from the other person. And I'm just watching this, like guys, just why are you all running around in circles? Just it, the bull can't go in three directions at once. Just all of you run out of the ring. Why are like this? There's a, like a minute of the bull chasing them around. And it's like, we okay, the, the, the solution to this is right within sight. You are just get out of the, the fenced in bull paddock. Well, I, I would just ask you to step into the ring with a bull and see what decisions you make. You know what, Landon? You, you, you freaked out when I asked you uh, repeatedly in a succession uh, to name the first Fred that comes to mind. Yeah, yes. Okay, that's A million true. years ago. And, and who did I name? Did I name Fred, Fred Durst? And probably. Yeah, probably. Look, I, yeah, Landon, if you asked me... If you step into the ring with a bull, I would say no. And if you said, Truman, you're you're less of a man for not getting in that ring and slapping that bull, I'll say, okay, cool. I guess I'm just less of a man then. But anyway, what, I'm going to keep going about my day and letting you have that opinion. The situation is I'm in the ring with the bull and the bull has already hit me. And the only way that it's not going to kill me is if you can jump in and distract uh, it. I mean... Look, I, I don't want to – look, Landon, I, I would get in the ring, but I would probably wait a second long. Like, I would be standing there with the cops like, okay, do you think – like, so I'd be asking, like, so is the situation with the bull like it hits you once and then it leaves you alone? Because in which case, then I would just be like, Landon, come on, come on, you can do it. Just walk towards my voice, buddy. Um, I would get in eventually. Like, you know, if I could tell uh, – I don't know. It's just – I wouldn't – or I would be like, saying, hey – I'm just pointing out. Your decision-making process is already starting to get scattered. I, I, yes, this is very true. I would be like, Sheriff Tobolowski, why don't you and your dad... I know you guys don't have guns, but do you want to just come in and help? Do you want to protect and serve a little bit? <laughs> but ACAB includes those cops. So anyway... Um, oh, boy. Uh, yeah, so, but then, then they finally all get out, and they... But they, the, the, I think the cops have, like, opened the gate for them, but then they don't no, close the, it the properly. The bull... Yeah. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Sorry. 
So as they're as the three of them are walking away, like rejoicing that they have all slapped the bull, then uh, the bull gets loose and it hits Martin Lawrence in the ass really hard, and he goes flying up into the camera, just so so high. And and then and then the movie is like, that's enough of the bull sequence, and we cut <laughs> we cut back to the the chili festival because they they go from the like look, I am thirty four oh years old, almost thirty five. If I had woken up. You know, sleeping on a half-deflated air mattress, had a whole day of hijinks with bikers and and gay cops, and then gotten, you know, chased around by a bull. At that point, I'm calling it a day. I'm going home. (laughs) I'm going to the hotel, whatever. The guys all are just like, well, that's done. Let's go back to the Chili Festival for more hijinks. Like, the stamina these dudes have. They don't need to take a cross-country road trip to prove their, you know, virility. They're already doing it just by being awake this long. That's all it takes to be a man. I, I mean, yeah to, yeah, to just to do like like multiple things in a day. Like all I did today, I I, <laughs> I got I got up, I worked uh-huh. I worked my job. Things have been very slow at my job lately, so it mainly was editing the previous Wild Hogs episode. Will whilst checking my email, I'm recording this episode now, sitting down, mind you. After I do this, I'm going to be exhausted. I might go to bed early. Like, my day has consisted of sitting in one place and talking to you, and that's too much for me. So these guys are blowing me out of the water. <laughs> uh, okay, well, that will be entered into the, the official record. Uh, and, um, we, you know, that, that deflates a lot of our arguments against this movie. I, well, yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think that, yeah, the, my biggest argument against this movie is that the moral of it isn't just these guys realizing wait we yeah we the we we were wild the whole time like the amount of energy we have to do these things makes us wild well that is kind of the realization they come to at the end of this thing yeah but they it just takes about it, it's a long road to get to that um well look so anyway we're back at the chili festival they, they get back well, and we 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 are introduced back to the chili festival at night by another performance by kyle gas and it's at this point that i hope that there's a deleted scene i had i did not see it but uh in my mind canon there's a a scene of like a little girl wanting to get on stage to do karaoke and kyle gas just kind of like <laughs> pushing her away with his foot from the stage yeah because uh, he's just he is talking talk about a wild hog he is hogging that karaoke mic he, he, he is he is wildly uh he is wildly hogging the mic and he's up there though he's up there singing kiss you all over by exile and uh, a song Maybe that's that, why it feels like adam sandler i i mean yeah, that that could be that could be the reason i mean also just it's like th- this is this is a song that i like a lot and that i wanted to hear him sing more of and that we just got a very quick clip of it i was like oh guys like I wanted this one. I didn't want to see him like doing candy shop or whatever the other one was. <laughs> but so, yeah, he's up there. He's hogging the mic. Uh, William H. Macy runs back up to the hogs and tells them, oh, shit, he's in, he's in big trouble. Marissa Tomei uh, told, told him to meet her on the dance floor, but he doesn't know how to dance and he needs to be taught how to dance. Um, yeah. This all I happens off screen. Out, yeah. I also want to point out that at this point, at, you know, post bull slapping, um, they have cleaned themselves up. They've clearly gone to the hotel, motel, Holiday Inn, Ayo. and have so- have taken off their sweaty bike gear and they've they've put on their everyday clothes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a it's a completely different vibe. Like, yes, we haven't talked about Tim Allen's chain 
wallet chain in oh, this God. movie. <laughs> I, I guess I, there has to be one young person element in every uh, every outfit he wears. Uh, but John Travolta has been wearing the you know the biker bandana that goes under his helmet for yeah. most of the movie up yeah. to this point. But now they're just like John Travolta has got his you know kind of quaffed you know hair plug hair and uh, wearing his you know trimming caps uh, half zip sweater fleece wow wow okay i'm feeling attacked right now uh feeling a little too seen thank you very much <laughs> while william h macy's got his trimming caps button up and uh, uh okay hair no, no okay no that's not true i almost never wear button-up shirts that is too Fair much point. labor okay, for me right. if, if he's if he's wearing a steely dan t-shirt uh then then you'd have then you'd have one on me um yeah no they've all had a, a big wardrobe change which Makes me wonder, like, wait, why did they bring, like, nice-looking clothes on this cross-country manly road trip? Because <laughs> their ultimate destination was Napa Valley. <laughs> this movie was going to turn into Sideways, but instead it's turned into Three Amigos. <laughs> Four Amigos. Um, this, so anyway, it's just, like, the the badassery that they're trying to achieve by being wild hogs on the road um, is completely undone by the fact that they just... Look like they all step out of the uh, LL Bean catalog. Uh, by the, but it, no, it's undone by the fact that they apparently are dressing like me. That's that is what's undone their badassery. <laughs> well, you know what? There are lines, and you know we can choose to read between them or not. I, I oh, well, no, look, I I'm I am without question the least badass person on this podcast, and indeed one of the least badass podcasters, and that is setting a low bar already. Um, so, but but they're so they're they're in their nicer clothes. William H. Macy asks John Travolta to teach him how to dance, and there's this brief scene of them, like, off to the side, like, you know... It's another, you know, I'm not gay scene. Yeah, although honestly handled a little more deftly than I would have expected, but it's it's Travolta, you know, teaching him just, like, a basic, I don't know, two-step or something like that. And I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, like, wait, are we going to get John Travolta dancing in this movie? Are we going to get Saturday Night Fever... Pulp Fiction asked John Travolta dancing in this movie. No, uh, this is as close capital, as we get. Or uh, what is it? Venture Card, Capital One, Santa Claus, Travolta dancing. <laughs> uh, but no, no, we we do not we do not get uh, we do not get that. We but although we do get William H Macy dancing, which is we great because uh, he just from from learning a few basic dance steps from John Travolta in like one second. Then William H Macy runs out on the dance floor to meet Marissa Tomei. <laughs> And there, there, it is okay. I, you, you could take this to task for like the the shortest teaching, you know, lesson in the world of teaching him how to dance, and suddenly, you know, he's on the dance floor spinning her and stuff like that. But there is a a line early in the film. Uh, I, oh, I think it's early. In the, maybe it's just early in the Madrid scenes, Madrid scenes. Yeah, where um, he says, uh, you know me. I've got the rhythm in me. It just makes me do the wrong things. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, true, true. So I, I like to think that he's had it in him this whole time, and uh, he just needed to trust himself. Yeah, yeah he he needed some, you know, he needed a little bit of, uh, he needed to kind of know some dance steps that he could then run with and improvise off of, and which, which he does. W- what I love about this dance scene, though, is that they're like, like, you know, kind of royalty-free big bad voodoo daddy is playing, but it's like <laughs> we're at this 
it, this is a, a small town in the middle of nowhere. It is a chili cook-off. The band is, but the band is playing like jazz big band music. Like there's all of these, like there's these guys in like, in like flannel or gingham shirts and cowboy hats playing like Bolo saxophones yeah. and and trumpets and it's like whoa, 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 wait wait we gotta you like this is absolutely the environment for a honky tonk band but instead you've got a big <laughs> yeah, band know. playing jazz standards <laughs> where where's daniel stern when you need him <laughs> exactly exactly yeah it is it's it's bizarre it, it is kind of like they've entered into some sort of twilight zone town where it's only old folks and they're playing in the mood by Benny Goodman. <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 I do love, I do love the idea that, that in later seasons of the twilight zone, Rod Serling just, uh, just really kind of gave up and he's like, uh, submitted for your consideration, a uh, town where they all listen to jazz, right? That's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, sure. Go, <laughs> go with it. <laughs> Come with me, will you? Or I don't care. <laughs> do what you want it's your decision here's the door <laughs> you're entering a world well within the realm of your imagination actually <laughs> like what um, one inch between perception and reality <laughs> you had mentioned uh sideways earlier and yes. speaking of sideways while william h macy is dancing uh the uh two of the del fuegos appear mc gainey who we haven't really talked about this uh motorcycle gang yet no um i mean we've we've, we've talked ta- about them not the individual members we, we've talked about the concept of motorcycle gangs at length <laughs> and, but yet we and we talked about ray liotta at length but yes. uh the two kind of main bads underneath ray liotta is uh mc gainey from sideways and many many other movies uh, yes. including lost oh. <laughs> uh and Kevin Durand, um, who is someone that w- felt like he was taken off, but then didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Failure to launch. <laughs> uh, he starred in um, Smoke and Aces with Ray Liotta. He's just kind of this, he plays kind of the the dumb minion in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's uh, the one who keeps getting punched by Ray Liotta, right? For saying yeah. Uh, yeah. unintentionally double entendre things, yes. But they sent um, these two, their names are Red and Murdoch, uh, they sent them to scout ahead and see what the what the deal is in Madrid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, uh, the, you know, Travolta spots them and immediately starts freaking out, and the rest of the, the hogs see them and are like, oh, hey, look, it's it's those bikers, because, of course, they think that, that uh, Travolta just threatened to sue them. And Travolta still refuses to explain, no, actually, I, I fucked up their bikes and blew up their bar. And so Martin Lawrence walks up to them to tell them, because they're they're roughing up one of the locals. They've been, their orders yeah. are to, you know, see if the wild hogs are there, but don't hurt them or anything. And so they're, they're fucking with one of the locals. Because that's, that's, they save them for Ray Liotta, basically. Yes, yes. And, and they're so, mine. So uh, Martin Lawrence walks up to them and starts, you know, just just telling them, hey, you know, uh, we we told you to get the hell out of here. So fuck off, you little pansies or something like that. He's just he's just really mouthing off. You, you know, the, the way that the way that a black man in a small town full of white people would just feel confident to walk up to two biker dudes and start really, really going hard on him. But he's you said in- hard on. It's yeah, yeah, yes, I did. So now, much like the, you have to be Ray Liotta, and I'm I'm the I'm that that dumb uh, second banana. You have to punch me now to uh, <laughs> make you know I did an unintentional double entendre. Um, oh boy, actually, kind of a single entendre, really, just saying the word. Yeah, it hard is hundred percent single. 
He he, but he winds up then taking a ketchup and mustard squirt bottle and spraying them all over the bikers and telling them, "Yeah, that's that's right. Like you you can't mess yeah. with us, or else we'll slap you with a big lawsuit. Go for it." So the the context being that he's got this confidence to to confront them because he thinks that John Travolta put them in their place earlier at the at the tavern. Yes, exactly. Because, because, you know, outlaw motorcycle, uh, gangs are just notoriously respectful of the law and the legal system and threats of legal action. Um, but yeah, so they both, they both just stand there and take it as he humiliates them. And, uh, then, um, yeah. And I guess they just, they just walk away and Martin Lawrence is celebrating his victory. The whole town actually, celebrates like hey you stood up to the del fuegos huzzah huzzah and they they i think all everyone just goes back to the diner to party and have some drinks and celebrate how great the wild hogs are it's a weird scene (laughs) (laughs) yes i mean yes the del fuegos are raising a ruckus i mean they they literally throw somebody uh Mm. after pouring a beer on his head Uh, just a local they throw him uh into somebody else like yeah that that seems like uh, grounds for arresting them <laughs> personally. Well, yes, yeah, it, it's it's this. This is what is so strange about Madrid, and that the movie goes to this town that is like a little snow globe of a place. That's like they are forever under the thumb of the Del Fuegos. They just they know they can't stand up to the Del Fuegos. The cops don't have guns, and therefore cannot stand up to the Del Fuegos. And also, no one in town has ever thought to like call the state police or the FBI or like, <laughs> or hire a new or like get a new sheriff who does have a gun. Like it's just like, Nope, this is just our life. We're always going to be ground down by the Delphi. Bring, bring a Texas marshal in. Yeah, exactly. Br- hey, you know who I'm thinking? Sheriff Wopat. He'd fix this whole thing. <laughs> he look, I, I mean, he doesn't, you know, he's a, he has a gun. He totally has a gun. B, he, you know, he, he doesn't even really, you know, he just needs to look at you. He unbuttons his shirt a, <laughs> yes. li- a little bit, <laughs> and the Del Fuegos all turn around. <laughs> or he just blinds them by the buttons popping off of it. Um, where, oh, yeah, I didn't get to even mention, but, like, the the confrontation that Martin Lawrence does with these guys, like, choosing, choosing the hot dog, or the hot dog, the ketchup and mustard. <laughs> yeah. And spraying that in their faces. Yeah. Just a, a strange screenwriting choice. Uh, e- even more than the fact that, you know, it's a character choice. Yes. That the people creating this movie is like, what can he do to humiliate them? Squirt condiments in their face. I, I Yeah, the, 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 it's interesting. Like, the plot of the movie as we head into Act 3 is basically Martin Lawrence is an insane person who, you know... <laughs> Yes, he, this is kind of the biggest thing he's had to do. Also, for most of the movie, he's for the rest of the movie, he's kind of just been there, going like "what" or or making yeah. fun of people. But then here, he really takes the initiative to go well, way above and beyond in humiliating well, this these is dudes. Why? It, why it's so confounding to me because it's like he starts with like a G. This is what you would see in like a children's movie. Uh, you know, when you're confronting bullies, right? This, this would be condiments. in Zoom. This is something that the kids in Zoom would do yeah. to Chevy Chase. But then it ends like it goes so far in the opposite direction. It's like he sprayed them in the face with all this stuff, and it should just be like them clearing their eyes out with their two fingers and like blinking at the camera. But then no, he knees this guy very graphically in the nuts. 
to make his point and walks away. And yeah. it just goes from one end of the extreme to the other. It it, go, it goes to the point where it's like, I actually am sort of on the Del Fuego's side for a second here. Because like, if you, like, cause Martin Lawrence's understanding is, okay, these dudes were mean to us. They tried to steal William H. Macy's bike. And then we threatened them with a major lawsuit and they relented. So like, now, go like, going up to them... And, like, spraying shit on them and physically assaulting them, that's yeah. not, like, you're opening yourself up to, a, you're they, doing worse <laughs> shit to them than they did to you. Yes, yes, that that's exactly it. Uh, I mean, granted, you know, he has assaulted a local member of this community, uh, you know, the Del Fuegos have. Uh, sure, um, okay, yes, true. But, yes, as far as the Del Fuego wild hog feud, you're right. At this point, <laughs> the wild hogs are... are are wilder than the Del Fuegos. Like they need to calm down a little bit. <laughs> I I just I just love the thought of the Wikipedia page or the historical marker for the the Del Fuego Wild Hog feud of 06. <laughs> oh, <laughs> brother was pitted against brother in the Wild Hog Del Fuego feud. <laughs> oh man. Um yeah, so and and like so you, the the town lauds them as heroes and there there's this celebration for them. And I do just want to s- circle this. Like I've talked about Three Amigos, Seven yeah. Samurai, uh, yeah. uh, Bugs Life, or even Galaxy Quest. Seven. The, the, it's just, I, 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 it is so surprising to me that this movie that I thought was just going to be a road movie kind of ran out of ideas, ran out of gas, much like the characters, <laughs> and was like, yeah. eh, fuck it, let's just turn it into, yeah, we've all seen this movie. The okay. movie there's the helpless town and, and the outsiders come in to defend them. Except with with the twist, like only four other movies have done, where the outsiders actually are pansies, but don't don't realize what they're getting into. Well, which is very three's uh, three amigos. But I want to yeah. take this moment to just uh, go into alternate world zone for for a second. <laughs> it's my favorite zone. Of, well, I, I foreshadowed it a little bit earlier about when we were talking about John Travolta's lack of logic and telling yeah. telling the boys. Uh, what exactly went down with the Del Fuegos. Now, the movie we get exists because he doesn't tell them. And, yes. you know, it's like the lie catches up with him and the lie has to catch up with them somewhere. Why not it be at this town, whatever. Uh, I want to just pause it and get your thoughts. What yeah. would the movie have been had he cut their lines, blew up the bar, but told the wild hogs. I mean, well, like at that point, it's you see, so you got four guys who don't have their phones who are now totally in over their heads. I mean, the, then the movie becomes like the, probably they have an argument about like, do we go on to California or do we turn around and go home? I mean, honestly, I like the idea of they decide, Oh shit, we're in over our heads. We got to turn around and go home. They are racing to try and get back and stay one step ahead of the Del Fuego's fun and games along the way of them dodging and avoiding them. And then like the end is they get back to their hometown biker bar and, and, and they get in there and then the Del Fuegos have followed them and come in. (laughs) And then ultimately it's this army of suburban biker enthusiasts are initially frightened by the Del Fuegos, but then they are rallied and by the, by the wild hogs and inspired by their tales of valor on the road and they wind up defeating the Del Fuegos and the wild hogs realize that, hey, we were we were wild all along. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. That, I don't know. I could, I could see that being the thing. Like, th- that's more of a road movie, and it also full circles. You know, it takes them back home again and with new knowledge. Yeah. I don't know. What, I, what do you I, think? There, okay, so I guess, spoiler alert, although we haven't talked at all about his uh, unseen presence in this movie, um, Peter Fonda comes in as, like, the father of the Del Fuegos and well, the, literally the, the father yeah. of Ray Liotta. Yeah, yeah. He's the dad. He's the one yeah. that built the bar. He's the one that kind of set the the ground rules for the Del Fuegos uh, about freedom and all their, you know, mottos they live by. But but then um, he but then he left the gang at some point and, yes. and entrusted it to yeah to his son. Um, there's so speaking of Peter Fonda, uh, there's a movie called Race with the Devil from mm-hmm. 1975, and mm-hmm. I kind of wish this movie had gone in that territory where. Uh, granted, they're in an RV in that movie, not on motorcycles, but it's basically two couples that are vacationing together in an RV, and they happen to stumble upon the satanic ritual, and oh. the, the the people, the, the worshippers uh, catch them witnessing it, and it becomes a chase movie between <laughs> these couples in this RV and a bunch of Satanists on the road. Now, now wait, were they, and were they just getting out of Omaha when they run across the, uh, the satanic ritual? And then it's like, the, and then some reason them being chased, they just stay in Omaha the entire time. Uh, I mean, that would be an interesting, maybe that's what the wild hogs would have been. Mm, true. True. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, okay. But so, yeah. So, so basically the idea that I came up with is basically that idea is what you're saying. No, I'm saying I, that's another route we could have taken of, no, of like, it's just the Del Fuego's, you know, relentlessly pursuing these four guys and they slowly, you know, lose their identities <laughs> as they realize what's important to survival uh, yeah. <laughs> throughout the rest of it. And they, they realize I didn't need to be wild in the first place. I, I just, you know, and then it kind of can go back to what you were saying. They, yeah. they can, yeah. if they survive, realize I should just appreciate what I have and not <laughs> not wish to be out here uh, being more wild um, than my hog actually is. Uh, yeah, like, I, I think that either of those options, like, th- this movie markets itself as a road movie. It is, like, and the first half of it is a road movie. It's like we're out on the open road. We are having lots of little one-off encounters with wacky characters along the way. And it's just weird that it then decides to be like, okay, enough of that. We're going to introduce you to a town full of wacky characters and stay in that town for the rest of the movie. And yeah. oh, also now we are going to become this town's saviors and protectors in the course of 24 hours. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. I kind of, like, in an, another world would have liked, if they were going to go this route, like, Get rid of the biker thing, maybe. And, well, granted, you wouldn't have a movie called Wild Hogs, but yeah. you introduce <laughs> Madrid as, like, their destination at the end of the first act. Uh, you know, I'm thinking, like, book club style. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Where they're, like they're just club. there in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they arrive there without problem, but when they're there, they realize that there's this other thing going on, and they have to, you know, find the strength within themselves, the courage within themselves to stick up for this town who can't. You know... You know, I'm glad you said that, Landon, because I'm realizing now Book Club and Wild Hogs are kind of the same movie. Like, <laughs> basically, what if four older established actors did a thing together? Like, that's that's really what this movie is. That's what Book Club is. That's what 80 for Brady, 80 for Brady. is. <laughs> that's what Palms is. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. It, Ex-Wives Club. 
you know, that's, you know, Reservoir Dogs, uh, you know, oh uh, Saving nope. Private Ryan, also basically <laughs> Wild Hogs, uh, you know, um, Eraserhead, Ugh. basically Wild Hogs. What? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, look, the, the Eraserhead goes pretty wild in that movie. Uh, I can't, I want to, but I can't refute you. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. I I haven't even seen Eraserhead. I just read the Wikipedia page. Okay, and the Wikipedia page, just under plot synopsis, it says Eraserhead goes wild. Um, So the, at the party, at the celebration at the diner, uh, Marissa Tomei comes outside to see William H. Macy sitting alone. He confesses, this oh, is, you're... The, the celebration is that they stood up to the Dolph Wagos, not yeah. just the general chili... Festival anymore? Yes, no. The, the <laughs> they're now honorees. Ima- imagine what an exciting day this is for the the people of of Madrid. You're already having the chili festival, but then it turns into a a gigantic celebration because the uh, Del Fuegos have been vanquished. <laughs> I, I really wish there was like some town kook who uh, <laughs> like pulled out a scroll that's like it was written in the prophecies, but it was really just like a paper placemat that he drew <laughs> on with some crayons. <laughs> Yeah, well, by, according to this, these people are our new kings. <laughs> oh my uh, god! That so, funny. so, and but, and you know, as is as is local custom now, one of the vanquishing heroes must take a lover. So, uh, Marissa Tomei comes and sits with uh, William H Macy, who confesses that I'm actually not a cool biker guy; I'm a geek computer programmer. And she tells him that no, actually, you're a super nice guy, and because you're a nice guy, that means that uh, you get a girl, and they start making out. Um... I am more, I, I don't know. I, I know that you have expressed that it makes sense that she would want to be with him more than any of the other hogs because he's sweet. I also just, I mean, uh, it's, it's the conventions of the script that are dumb and gross, which is just like, she's there to serve as a love interest for him. Yes. But, and night and nice guys and being a nice guy is inherently attractive and interesting. And all you have to be is a nice guy. And uh, well, y- yeah, I, it's certainly a trope for sure. But, there, there's enough there and and they're skilled enough performers and you know they do she is like she owns her own place it's not like she's some bumbling you know secretary or something this is true this is true uh, look honestly i'm i'm for how i i've spent probably half of the podcast shitting on this relationship but as it goes on they both play it fairly convincingly yeah that, like i so yeah i don't know i guess if, I have... if the thing is if if it were any of the other casts that were getting Marissa Tomei, I, I would probably have a problem with it. But yes. it's the sweetest, most honest, uh, you know, above board character getting someone who is able to express that, you know, a genuine like for nice guys. And we can see it. It's demonstrated throughout the film. So it doesn't feel completely contrived outside of just the conventions of, uh, you know, a, a stupid comedy starring for middle-aged men yeah I, yes yes all very true um but meanwhile one of the other middle-aged men namely john travolta is has just completely lost his shit inside the bar because like just he's he's just you know he's like breaking down and crying and like snapping at people and everything and he storms outside because he's so scared of the you know now that they the del fuegos know where they are the del fuegos are going to come back and so uh, i i guess in was it is it the following morning then like i i guess after you know they've you know the, the following morning they gas up their bikes and they're in a hurry to get uh, to get out of there but then all of the del fuegos come riding into town and it's only then when when john travolta you know runs and hides and they all follow him that he explains to them no yeah. actually i i blew up their bar 
Well, there's the whole question. Like John Travolta is trying to rush them out again as usual, and they're like, "Why? Why are you? This is a nice place. Like <laughs> the road kind of sucked for a little bit there. Why not just like hang out for a minute?" And John yeah. Travolta's like, "No, we're free. We're wild, man. We gotta get going. We gotta go." <laughs> it's honestly that's pretty good. Like he's 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 hamming it up and and hitting that kind of tone. Um, but yeah, so they 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 hide. Once the Del Fuegos arrive, you know, because he explains, oh, no, you know, that he explains to them the shit they're actually in. Martin yeah. Lawrence realizes, oh, so squirting ketchup on those guys probably wasn't a great idea. And <laughs> right. the whole town watches them, you know, their their one time saviors run and hide once the full force of the Del Fuegos get into town. Uh, and, <laughs> and so they're 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 yelling at uh, they're yelling at John Travolta for lying to them about this and for getting them into this mess and then William H Macy suggests I think we should go somewhere to yell at each other where there aren't people trying to kill us and so <laughs> they they go and hide out in Marissa Tomei's house along with the uh, the sheriff and his deputies who wait well, sorry I, I don't mean to pause your your synopsis there no but, pause my synopsis uh, as I'm watching this in the background as usual and the Del Fuegos are coming into town and I see the banner for the festival and it says Madrid uh, Chile Festival but Chile is spelled C-H-I-L-E oh, and no. I wonder if it was like a <laughs> I mean I give them props if it was like a, a festival celebrating the rich culture of the country of Chile <laughs> Chile <laughs> yeah you know yeah it's just a lot of um Oh shit! I can't remember what kind of traditional dance they have in in Chile, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Or it's a lot of uh, a lot of um, remembrances of the people lost to the Pinochet regime. Um, <laughs> oh dear. Uh, yeah. Well, I, honestly, I'm surprised that that guy on IMDb trivia didn't also then call that out. <laughs> like that. That's yet another another uh, instance of wild hogs really misunderstanding the Spanish language. Yes. Yeah. Um. So they, yeah, but so they, they, they're hiding out in, in some house, uh, Sheriff Toblowski is saying, oh, well, I called the highway patrol, they'll be here in a couple hours, and the, you know, Ray Liotta is out in the center of town yelling, you know, oh, wild hogs, we know that you're here, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna torch this whole town, you know, we're gonna, they're gonna destroy the diner if uh, they don't come out, and because the diner is the only thing that Marissa Tomei has, she is, you know, justifiably upset about that, right, and so... The wild hogs are all saying, you know, they're they're all too scared to go out there. They don't want to do anything. But then William H. Macy marches out on his own, goes into the diner to face them, set to showdown by ELO. And there's now, actually, hold on. Yeah. We're, we're skipping over a couple of things I want to zoom in on here. Okay, zo- zoom in. All right. I want to zoom in on uh, this interaction between the four boys hiding out um, away from the Del Fuegos. Yeah. Where when John Travolta is finally, like, spilling the beans... Uh, about what happened. Yeah. I find this kind of fascinating where if you watch any of the behind the scenes interviews or the making of, which you can find on YouTube, I don't know why I spent my time doing it, but I, 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 I don't really um, either, but okay. There, there's a lot of talk about there being, um, they, they themselves use the word egos, but it, in terms of like one upping each other or, or staying on their toes in terms of, comedy and improvisation uh, between the four leads Mm -hmm. and that they all elevated each other. Now, the scene is kind of interesting in the way that that comes out because I could see in another scenario, in a much worse scenario, where it becomes who has the most machismo and who can, you know, and certainly we get a 
bunch of that here oh, yeah. in this movie. But in trying to mine the comedy, you get, I think, the the acting chops of John Travolta, which we don't see very often anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that this is a gleaming example of it, but he's getting laughs through character rather than his own masculine, like John Travolta's masculine ego, because mm-hmm. he's playing it really kind of whiny and yeah. trying to put the blame off. Like, he does not look like, he looks like a child here. Uh, yes. Explaining this. And it's funnier because of it. It's not like, you know, him trying to uh, browbeat uh, the other guys into like, well, what the fuck would you have done? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. He's like, I did, I cut the things and, oh God. You know, like, <laughs> he's not making himself look good here. And, I don't know. It's just kind of like fascinating that that is what came out of one upping each other with comedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't know, not patting them on the back too hard, but like, I'm glad that's what came out of it rather than what could have. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I mean, to see them, to see like, and it enhances the stakes of this final showdown uh, that, that, you know, they're, They've been trying to one-up themselves with masculinity this whole time, and then when the chips are really down, all of them are reduced to varying degrees of children, except for William H. Macy, ultimately. Right, right. And that's the whole, the irony of this thing, is like, the least masculine of them all is the one that has the balls to go out there and do it. <laughs> well, yeah, but so in in this, yeah, in this crowning moment of of having balls, William H. Macy goes marching out to the to the diner out of their hiding spot where, you know, Ray Liotta and everybody else have just gone inside. They've broken a window and they're hanging out in there eating all the food. And so, you know, Showdown by ELO is playing. He marches up to the front door, kicks the front door open, and basically starts saying, like, all right, I'm here to whatever. Like, he's trying to say some big badass line, but the door immediately bounces closed and you can't <laughs> hear any of the things that he's saying, which is, I think, a great bit of physical comedy. Yes. Um, yeah, but then he walks in to try and have the showdown, and they just immediately overpower him, take him hostage, and then uh, take him back out in the street, all duct taped up, and say that they uh, they want. Uh, <laughs> well, they they say we're gonna we're gonna charge. You know, you need to if you don't bring us fifty thousand dollars in an hour to get him back, uh, we're gonna break his legs. And William H Macy yells. Don't worry about it. I don't need my legs. I'm a computer programmer. And then they say, oh, okay, well, then we'll break your hands. And he just goes, damn, bring the money. Which, <laughs> again, all, all the bangers coming from William H. Macy in this movie. Yes, yeah. Um, now, okay, so I guess pointing out, uh, as the movie, I think, wants us to, uh, Martin Lawrence gets his bravery from a kind of fraudulent bravery via John Travolta. Yes. Whereas William H. Macy, who's been kind of spineless this whole movie, kind of, uh, gets his courage because now he's standing up for uh, the woman he loves. Let's just yeah. call it what it is. Sure. Uh, yes. And that it would be wrong for this town to be destroyed uh, because of actions that they took. So mm-hmm. just you know, going one step further to illustrate William H. Macy is the the goat yes no he yeah he is the he is the the hero of the movie we've we've known this yeah. for a while um simply because he's the actor we like the most in the movie maybe um 
But so the the guys then seeing William H. Macy held hostage and he is, you know, duct tape, he's got duct tape wrapped all around his arms, pinning them to his waist. And then they hang him up from the misspelled banner over uh, Main Street. And the the guys then finally rally themselves to decide, no, we've got to we've got to get our, our guy back. And so they they hatch the plan to get their bikes and just ride down Main Street at like 30 miles per hour and grab him from where he's hanging. And, and so it's, it's like their master plan is just we're going to charge this huge gang of bikers head on. It's not really a lot of guile involved or anything yeah. like that. Also, they're leaving William H. Macy's bike behind by doing this. Yeah, the bike that started all of this. This whole <laughs> mess because of William H. Macy's motorcycle. Yeah. Um, now, I have to ask, I have to backtrack a little bit here, and because it was a point where I realized, oh, this is a, uh, not only does Truman love needle drops in movies. Yes, I do. But he also loves ELO. Oh, I do, yes. What, walk us through a little bit of your your experience when uh, Showdown started playing. Uh, when Showdown started playing, I thought to myself, wait, are they trying to suggest to me that we're heading for a showdown in this movie. Is that oh? And then I and then I looked at the runtime and I was like, oh, I guess we are kind of at the end of the movie. I guess this must be the showdown. Um, no, I was excited. I was. The, and th- th- this is what's dumb though. Whenever there's a needle drop of a song that I really like, and then when the movie fades the song down, I'm always kind of like, oh. Especially when it's a movie that I'm not like <laughs> okay. loving. Like I I love listening yeah. to the song Showdown more than I love Wild Hogs. So it's kind of like, oh, could. Honestly, I just want to pause the movie and listen to Showdown now. I this is okay, a great I'm glad you you mentioned that because it was something I logged last week to ask you and I didn't write it down and you just remembered reminded me. Hell yeah. Which is the best practices for needle drops. And mm. I feel like what we are witnessing here with Showdown is as you're describing a poor use of a needle drop. Mm-hmm. Where it's it's just explaining what's happening. Uh, you don't really get to bask in the enjoyment of the song and the needle drop. Yeah. It's just kind of there to transition you from one scene to the next. Now, what I would have loved is like, and this movie never would have done it, but I agree with you. It's like I wanted to I wanted to feel Showdown by ELO. I didn't want to just like have a moment of remembering the song existed. Yes. Uh, and so I would have loved if like if they held off using it for just a little bit more and had a like spaghetti Western style, like meet me outside in the the street and the four wild hogs are standing opposite side of the long frame, the Leone type of frame Mm -hmm. from the Del Fuegos. And then showdown starts playing and you get kind of a, a almost slow motion or wordless montage or series of shots as the fist fight starts to happen. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I wanted to see a fight set to the song Showdown, really. I, I, yeah. I, what, what we're coming down to here is I wanted the movie to be a different movie with a by a different director <laughs> with a completely different aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to be watching a different movie at that point. Um, <laughs> still happy to see it, though, or hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, uh, we, maybe we can go into more... Uh, 
needle drop uh, standard practices in a, a nice episode. In the yeah, future, I mean, but. yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, look, if ever there was a movie to discuss it, it would it, it's this one. But we're honestly through most of the needle drops at this point. Yeah, it's true. Okay, uh, so um, this plan of driving thirty miles an hour into Del Fuego to try to just snatch William H Macy from his duct tape uh, harness, I guess. Uh, how does that go for them? Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't go well. They they grab him, but uh, the the rope doesn't snap. So instead, Tim Allen, who is you know, like he's the one who's executing this plan of grabbing onto him, uh, then because it's, it's, it's a and we should mention it's it's a thing a callback. I guess they were all buddies in high school, and this was like his football play or something, and they had to say, "Is that the White Knight?" Or the Golden Knight? It's the, the yeah, Golden Knight. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember something. Yeah, like that. So, yeah. Like he, Tim Allen's like, I, I'm gonna need you to say that so that you know, <laughs> I can I can get the motivation to go. Yeah, and and so they say that he's the Golden Knight. He goes riding off. He reaches up to grab William H Macy, but then he winds up like the rope doesn't snap the way he expects it to. So he just is hanging on to William H Macy, and his bike goes off without him. The Del Fuego surround them. Then the rope snaps, and they're both trapped. And now, I don't know, I don't have the movie in front of me like you do. I don't remember how yeah. it goes from this to then them deciding to just fight the Del Fuegos hand-to-hand. Uh, -hand. Uh, do you recall? Uh, yeah, I'm skipping ahead a little bit here to get there. Here we go. Okay, so uh, here he comes. He's going to grab him and, whoop, oh, doesn't break. But then, so he's they're swinging together. <laughs> Again, then the bike flips over. They're swinging there for a second, and then the rope breaks, and they just take a real hard fall together onto the ground, which I thought was unexpected and funny. Yeah, yeah um, another, 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 you know, the tip of the hat to the stunt team. Another, another yeah. guy bruised the fuck out of his ass so he could laugh at this movie. <laughs> so now the Del Fuegos have, uh, they, they captured, uh, uh, all, all four of them at this point. They kind of grouped them together, and, um, Ray Liotta kind of announces you know his guys go go we're gonna torch maggie's we're gonna torch her bar so yeah, go in the there diver, and set yeah. fire to the place yeah. and that's where john travolta's like are you fucking kidding me fuck this shit and uh i mean this movie's pg-13 they don't use that bomb yeah but, but wouldn't it be great uh, they all decide to stand up this is that that big the big moment of like you think you're so big and free and and badass well you know what fuck that shit and tim allen like gets up in ray Liotta's face and they start standing up for themselves it, and uh, that's kind of how the the brawl begins. Yeah, he's like, like I, I think Tim makes this big speech to the guys in front of the whole town about how people will do anything to stay safe. They'll give up the most important part of their life, yeah. adventure. And I I don't I don't I don't know that adventure is the most important part of life. Like it's important. Like it's it's good to have that and yeah. do things that uh, that uh, you know and and take risks. It's uh, okay. That's quibbling. I also but I, I want to take. My, I want to mention the beginning of this fight scene, unless you have something you want to pause before we get well, there. Just before we get there, just that Tim okay. gives this whole big speech about, you know, and like riling the guys up and say, you know, you, you got to do, you know, we got to do this. And it's it, like, it, you can't give up on adventure and you can't just want to stay safe. And it's like, there's, it's played as this big inspiring moment where it's basically a man willingly getting him and his friends almost killed out of a, just a yeah. show of pure bravado. Like this is, this is the real triumph. This is the hogs at their most wild is, is four untrained dudes <laughs> fighting a mob of like 50 violent criminals. Yeah. And this is what I had gone into a little bit last week where the, there's a certain self-awareness in this, not a, not a whole lot, but enough that makes it, a little bit different because right at the tail end of him doing that, 
uh, instead of like ripping his shirt off and throwing the first punch, like the second the last word leaves Tim's mouth, Ray Liotta clocks Tim in the face and he falls to the ground. And then he kicks him in the stomach. And it was just like watching an old man get kicked. Yes. And there's no, there's no like heroism in depicting unrealistically what these. I mean, I, I felt like. That's what it would look like if a biker kicked Tim Allen in the gut at 55. Is is that is that why you have such a warm assessment of this movie, maybe? Is that, like, after eight seasons of Home Improvement, it's like, yeah, get him, yeah, yeah. I'll never tell. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so they, you know, they keep just getting punched. Like, it, it just sort of breaks off into fun and games of watching these guys get their asses kicked, where they are... Squaring off against different guys, they're getting they're getting beat up, they're getting punched, they're getting knocked down. But wait, they get up again, uh, <laughs> and and you know, they just you know they they keep standing up and letting the guys beat on them again and again and again. Um, I mean, I don't know if you have any any one off bits on this fight, but it's just I, a I lot. don't know. I mean, if, if you want to zoom in on some of the you know, it's like there's the there's a karate old, master, old school joke, yeah. The, I'll take the big guy, you take the small guy, then the small guy turns out to rip off his shirt and be super ripped uh, karate man. I, He's like, okay, let's switch back. It, this is, this I is, feel like I saw that in a Ninja Turtles movie. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just, it's everywhere. Also, like, I don't know, if I'm if I'm in a fight situation, Landon, if you and I ever are in a situation where we're fighting a bunch of people, I'm like, if I'm sizing up who I'm going to fight, it's like the big guy versus the little guy, like... I'm going to, it's not going to go well for me either way. Like, I'm not like, <laughs> it's like, oh man, this guy, yeah. like, you know, or in the thing where like someone is mouthing off to a guy and then he stands up and he turns out to be several inches taller. It's like, I, I mean, he could be the same height as right. me. He could be shorter than me. I'm still probably going to get very badly you're, injured. You're going to, you're going to fare as well as the wild hogs do in this scene. Cause they get like one or two hits in, but mostly they get their asses kicked. Um, they get thrown through a plate glass window and uh, there's, there's a point where John Travolta and Tim Allen are both like crouching on the ground and Tim Allen's heads next to uh, an ashtray. One of those like old school ones that were outside of diners with like those little mm-hmm. pebbles and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And John Travolta's like throw the dirt, in it, you know, and uh, Tim Allen grabs a pile of the dirt and just whip, turns around without looking and whips it and it just hits Ray Liotta in the crotch. He's like, I didn't, mean to i didn't that wasn't planning that wasn't where i expected it to go <laughs> and it was I, just kind of an unexpected moment in the middle of it all i i, I did love that because that's the thing i've I, I saw a video of people fighting on youtube once actually no i saw a video of a guy fighting a monkey in thailand like that had come up and and was trying to like it was like pissing on his motorbike or something and he, it, it was an interesting video actually much better than the movie wild hogs but He's fighting this monkey, and at one point he, like, grabs a handful of sand and throws it at the monkey off the ground. And I'm just, like, th- thinking, like, I would never think to do that. That's, like, such a such a clever <laughs> use of one's environment. And I think, like, I've never been in a fight. I hope I never am in one. If I am, I'm, I'm just not going to be present enough in the moment to, like, throw sand at someone's eyes to try and disable them. That is, I, I don't know, yeah. that, that's just a level of fight preparation that I don't have in me. I, I've been punched in the face once. What? Uh, wait, wait, what? It was <laughs> by by my pen pal in uh, in elementary school. <laughs> oh, gee. Wait. Okay, wait. So hang on. Your pen pal came up. What did you write in that letter to make him come all the way out and punch you? <laughs> I like G.I. Joes and Legos. Do you like Legos? Oh, fuck. He was a Duplo guy, wasn't he? 
He likes mega blocks. I, I don't know. It was we were we were pen pals with another school, and uh, it was like meet your pen pal day. And so that school came over to our school, and we all like hung around in the gymnasium. And my pen pal didn't introduce himself to me, so I didn't know who he was. Uh, and then I was just like sitting on the sidelines talking to my friend, and uh, sure enough, like I just w- saw someone from a distance running toward me and like well that's kind of weird why would that looks like he's running right at me and before i knew it his fist just clocked me in the nose um what but, but and i staggered and fell over uh, like i assume he got in trouble right i don't think so i don't remember i mean it wasn't what, I, did like you, did you talk after that did this come up in your next letter <laughs> <laughs> uh no i don't this is one of those weird things when you get to 42, the details, like, I don't, I, I can't recall how I found out he was my pen pal. I mean, yeah. But he like, wasn't from my school. Yeah. And maybe it was just through deduction that's like, well, I didn't, everyone else had their pen pal that they talked to, and I didn't, and I don't know who that guy was, and I didn't see him attached to someone else. Maybe I just assumed. I don't know. I, well, I don't that, have that detail in my memory. That's that's a logical assumption to make. Like, if it's a crowd of strangers, but there's one person you've been corresponding with, like, that's the only person who'd reasonably have a grudge against you. I just... I, I, <laughs> right. He, he, he right. must have really been, you know, he, he must have really hated G.I. Joe. <laughs> I, or, like, a, who knows? I, he I, probably I, thought I was a dweeb. Uh, well, look, I mean, actually, you know, in, in retrospect, memory serves me, he might have wrote me a letter, you know, saying I like football and I like, uh, <laughs> but I could be retroactively writing that. I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, you wrote you a letter saying I like punching people the first time I meet them. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that does but, remind okay. me. The, the, no, the closest yeah, I've been to a fight. I, there was once when I was in elementary school, uh, there were some kids on the playground who were like, I don't know, they were playing with like matchbox cars or something. And I went over and asked them because I liked matchbox cars too, if I could play with them. And they said, no. And then I turned around to walk away. And one of them was wearing a boy scout uniform. You know how, you know how the kids who are in the boy scouts, they would, they would sometimes wear their whole uniform to school. Yes. And that's how you knew that they were a sociopath. Uh, he he <laughs> kicked me in the ass so hard that I fell flat on my face. Um, so, like, that's, I mean, and I don't think there's any more embarrassing person to be assaulted by than a boy in a full Boy Scout uniform. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, you know... Uh-huh. I I just had to go I just had to go one for one. We both we both have our yeah. getting physically assaulted for well, uh, for inexplicable reasons in elementary school stories. <laughs> that I'm sorry for this, but uh from there on in my life, I have de-escalated fistfights uh wow through humor or mostly two instances through humor um by making the party uh laugh. Now, I, I should also mention that in only one of those two instances was I the person that was uh, the aim of the attack. Mm-hmm. I was able mm-hmm. to talk down my assailant. Yeah. Uh, in another instance, I saw, uh, much like Wild Hogs, um, <laughs> a, a bully taking down somebody else, and I stepped in. No, uh, look at you, Only, dude. Only in one other instance. So I de-escalated three. The third instance was not through humor, but through this kind of final scene courage of uh I was uh the the person that was being the target was a peer of mine my age and he was being targeted by kids younger than us Oof. um that rode our bus 
and uh so much bad shit happened on your bus oh my god every bad thing in life (laughs) when we got off the bus they're like we're gonna we're gonna fuck you up and so when we got and i saw this all going down on the bus so when we got off i hurried up and caught up to uh you know my friend the guy my age and said you know if you decide you want to fuck with him you're gonna fuck with me and they were like yeah we're cool (laughs) yeah that's not we we don't want to fuck with you. So right, they didn't well end done. up fucking with him. Okay, okay. I I have I have been kicked in the ass by every boy scout I've ever seen since then. Like nothing in my like I that is just my lot in life to be taken advantage of and put down by boy scouts. So uh I I didn't I didn't turn my shit around the way you did. I will say I've never thrown a punch. Okay. Okay, that's pretty good. But but you you kick like crazy, right? You're just constantly roundhousing people. <laughs> I, I did in in uh, my very first uh, drama school. I was doing a, a Chris Farley skit because that's just who I was. And uh, there was a trash little you know plastic trash bin on stage, and I kicked it so hard it went flying into the audience and hit someone in the head. <laughs> That is literally something that uh, Steve Coogan does in the movie Hamlet 2. So uh, oh, you hey. are now on the level of one of my favorite actors. Congratulations. All right. That theater nice. school taught you well. Um, <laughs> All right. Back to Wild Hogs currently in progress. Uh, this fight scene's going. So the whole thing is they're getting their asses kicked, but the they, they just keep getting back up. They're tub thumping mm-hmm. for sure. Yes. Yes. Uh, and so they finally, like, they, they get up one more time, you know, bloodied and bedraggled, but then... The... No, no, well, there's there's a moment when, like, they've been knocked down so many times, and they're all sitting down on their asses, and John Travolta just kind of looks at them, uh, and he goes, are we going to do this? Are we really going to do this? And I, I'm like, what kind of weird special trick <laughs> do they have up their sleeves that they haven't done yet? Yeah. Um, but the special trick was just getting up again. <laughs> the the, the trick, the special trick is just getting publicly beaten long enough for the residents of the town to decide to do something. Because then finally, you know, Sheriff Toblowski and his men show up carrying baseball bats and it say, "Hey, you need to stop this to Ray Liotta." And then the rest of the town shows up behind them. Also, all carrying baseball bats. I don't. One, like, one guy, just one random guy, has an axe. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the axe that that they use to chop down a tree and whittle a bunch of baseball bats. Um, <laughs> but they, you know, that you know, so suddenly that you know, the bikers are now outnumbered by bat wielding townsfolk, and they say, "Well, if if four people, we saw, you know, we." We know we saw that if four people can stand up to a whole gang of bikers, then we can too. So it, it just it just this is kind of the ultimate tribute to white male mediocrity that just if you stand yeah. still and get punched enough times, you can be a hero. <laughs> yeah. I mean look Although it, that, I, that, I, I, I they could have run. They could have run away. So still I mean could've. let's yeah, applaud that. I I, I do feel like we missed out on the like anchorman esque type of scene of the townsfolk just putting a beat down on all the bikers. <laughs> yes, we, we missed out on that. We missed out on also what I think would be the most dramatically appropriate conclusion, which is like the beat down is happening. Whoever will save them. Then we hear, woo, woo, woo. Motorcycle rides up. John C. McGinley takes off his helmet 
Yes. That this is a cop who has a gun and also a cop who just by virtue of his sheer gayness is able to intimidate straight men everywhere. And he just, he looks at all these leather clad dudes. He says, Oh daddy once. And they all freak out and run away. I now did now when Peter Fonda, the, the way that it's shown of his reveal, uh, this, this motorcycle pulls up and all you see first is just a, a leather boot stepping off the bike onto the ground. Did you, for half a second, think it was John C. McGinley? I, I thought so at first, because, like, why in, like, rule of threes, you introduce the, the you introduce John C. McGinley in one scene, you have him show up again in a second scene, he's got, it's like, it, he's got to show up again, it's Chekhov's gay cop, yeah. why, why is he not well, coming back? He does, he does, this is why I watch the deleted scenes. Oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, he, his, his third callback, uh, was cut. So after this, uh, the conclusion here, um, they start driving back on the road on their way home and we see him, you know, behind a, a sign clocking their speed and then, uh, goes, daddy's come home to roost or something like that and <sighs> drives off, uh, behind them as they all, all five drive off into the sunset. Oh, great. Okay, um, cool. Happy ending. Happy ending. We don't get that. They cut that from the movie. So what do we really get? Peter Fonda shows up. What happens? Peter Fonda shows up. He is the original Del Fuego. All the Del Fuegos are like, they're, they're about to fight the whole town and it's going to be a rumble, but Peter Fonda shows up and he tells, he, you know, it turns out that, oh, he is uh, Ray Liotta's dad and he tells them, hey, c- cut that out. Th- stop that. This is not what the Del Fuegos are all about. Doing yeah. shit Why like do you think this I is... left? Y'all, yeah, exactly. Y'all got up in your own ass and, uh, decided that was more important than being free. He tells them that the wild hogs are more, you know, true real bikers than they are because they're out there being free and respecting adventure. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'd follow completely with that, but he like th- th- this whole movie just comes down to how authority is derived from the oldest, coolest dude. Like the biggest daddy of them all is the one who all the other men must follow. And so Ray Liotta is is so I mean, ch- chided by this that he just he takes his gang and he leaves. He did surf with Snake Plissken. He so did. He did. Yeah, you know you can't take that away from him. I mean, didn't Steve Buscemi also surf with Snake Plissken though? He or- drove in a convertible next to the tidal wave that they were surfing. Almost as good. Almost as good. That would be me. That's that's me in that situation. <laughs> um. So, uh, but but yeah, so they, you know, the, the Del Fuegos follow uh, Ray Liotta off into the sunset. Peter Fonda takes a second with the hogs to to tell them that they're cool dudes. And then as the whole town is celebrating, a minivan comes screeching to a halt and uh, Martin Lawrence's Literally. wife and uh, Tim Allen's wife jump out. So somewhere in this process, you know, Martin Lawrence has lied to his wife about where he's actually going. We found this out early in the movie, and Landon and I didn't talk about it because we're good at our jobs. We, we and, talked a little bit about it, about you know his problem, what he wants to get away from. That that was that, but that was also like five hours ago. That was like two viewings of Wild Hogs. <laughs> that, One week and five hours ago. That was like three viewings of Wild Hogs ago. Uh, but they. You know, so that so Martin Lawrence's wife jumps out. Tim Allen's wife also is there. She starts yelling at him for what he's doing. Now, now this raises a few questions. One, how the hell do they know 
where the guys are because they don't have their phones. Well, Tim she, Allen calls her at one point and tells her. Uh, oh, that. okay, okay. I guess that's, yeah, okay. So he's called his wife and, to- yeah, before the shit has hit the fan, he said we're in Madrid. Okay, yeah. fine, fine. Cross that one off the list. I don't understand okay. why they've driven from Cincinnati, Ohio to Madrid, New Mexico, just so they can, just so Martin Lawrence's wife can yell at him. Also, uh, yeah, and so then, but no, Martin Lawrence then stands up to his wife and because man must assert self over woman and says, right now I need you to show me some love. So just don't worry about the fact that I lied to you and ditched you with our two kids when you're the sole breadwinner in the family. No, no, no. Don't worry and about also that. Also that I look beat to a pulp at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. There's I've, no reason for concern at all. I've just been, I've just been riding cross country, lying to you, getting in fights with gangs, you know, motorcycle gangs. Um, but also uh, Tim Allen's wife has brought his son with with them. I don't know why she felt like the kid needs to come with them on this cross country road trip to find your father, who may or may not have been getting killed by bikers. And the the because earlier in the movie, the son didn't want to hang out with uh, Tim. He wanted to hang out with his friend's dad because he was cooler. But then, like uh, Tim says, "Oh yeah, I slapped a bull and I I fought you know these this biker gang." And his son is like, "Oh, that's so cool! I have to go call my friends and tell them how cool you are." And this is complete like middle aged movie producer wish fulfillment right here. Like, yeah, I, oh right. boy, I wish my son thought I was as cool as Jenkins across the street. <laughs> um, but so we can't all be Doc Johnson. I, I, sadly, we cannot. We can't. We can't all be the eighty seven year old proctologist. Um, but so that, yeah, after Martin Lawrence asserts himself to his wife and Tim Allen's wife is like proud of him, the, the wives just like get back in the minivan, turn around and go back, like driving 22 hours straight across the country. And the dudes continue, the wild hogs continue on their road trip. They continue the rest of the way to California as good vibrations plays. Uh, and then they're, then, you know, we see them riding their bikes along the, the, Okay, we see an egregious, uh, unrealistic thing. They're riding their motorcycles along the bike path at Venice Beach. Uh, I've ridden my bike on that <laughs> path. No, yes. n- no motorcycles allowed, thank you very much. It's only bicycles. Um, now, I, I had a moment here. Now, yeah. I, I can't, I cannot, there's no way for me to connect one to two. Okay. But when I first moved to L.A., I spent a lot of time on the Venice boardwalk, uh, yeah, me doing too. some juggling and just uh, well, hanging out juggling. there. That was just hanging out reading <laughs> and, Dune, but yeah. <laughs> uh, when I first, it was the first time that I had seen um, a on location film set up. Oh boy! And oh, no. it was on the Venice Pier or oh. Venice Boardwalk. Yeah, come on, Landon. The whatever this fucking thing is. Yeah, it, it's it's the yeah, it, it's the, it's the board, but it's actually not a boardwalk because it's poured concrete. Folks, when in Los Angeles, consider visiting Venice, or not. Yeah, and actually, yeah, maybe don't consider it. The beaches in LA suck. Anyway, this would have been 2006, and what they were filming was some sort of motorcycle thing happening. Uh, that was the scene. I wasn't close enough to obviously see the actors or what exactly was going on, but there was something going on with motorcycles, uh, in this location. Now I, I can't say that it was wild hogs, but I would like to, I mean, I, I don't, how many other movies are there where people are riding motorcycles on the, on the motorcycle prohibited bike path at Venice beach? I mean, I, I don't know, but, um, I know. I get the sense that it was like some sort of like Fast and Furious knockoff. 
uh, sort of movie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh, I could be wrong. It could have been this. Maybe it was this. Maybe it was this. Maybe we're there. I mean, hey, fuck it. Let's. Can it, we rewrite history? Yeah, if we want to. I mean, hey, look, Alf gavels, and it is law. Um, <laughs> but they're so they're riding along in this path that you're totally not allowed to ride on. They're also riding four in a line along it. So just good good luck to anybody who might want to be riding their bike the opposite yeah, direction. Right. Furious, just coursing with rage that they're doing this shit. Um, <laughs> they're also ogling all of these women in bikinis walking around, but, many of whom look to be like 16 tops. Yeah. Like not, and not cr- directed to look back, uh, you know, as if the camera is... The Wild Hog Gang. Yeah. Um, oh my God, are those as old if they're men impressed. on motorcycles? Oh my God, really? <laughs> Is such a thing possible? Uh, <laughs> they must be producers. <laughs> The only thing hotter than a man on a motorcycle is a man who works for Buena Vista Entertainment, greenlighting a movie starring four established actors. Um, but then uh, at one point, uh, the 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 dudes are so uh, distracted by all of the bikini babes that uh, Travolta, Lawrence, and Alan are all looking away, and they don't see a surfboard that is in their way, and they all get knocked well, clean off their motorcycles. Now... I, I, there's a little bit that goes into this that I think is makes it funnier oh, okay. that you're leaving out. Oh, okay. And I, I don't mean to call you out here, but like yeah, there's it. this constant, and we've talked about like William H. Macy's wobbly on his bike and he constantly keeps, you know, falling off it at the, the opening scene. This is a callback to the opening scene where yeah. they all fist bump and the fist bump sends William H. Macy flying into the, the median and then gets hit by a, a for sale sign. Yeah. This, this is a callback to that. And we, are reminded of it at the end of the Madrid scene as they all take off and William H. Macy wobbles and then flies into a a pile of hay and watermelons. Yeah, you know how small towns are. They just have those. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so now that they're going down this boardwalk side by side by side by side by side, uh, I think there was one too many sides. Yeah. Um, they all fist bump each other like it's the beginning of the movie. Ah. And... It, William H. Macy wobbles a little bit and you think is, oh God, here it comes again. And uh, he straightens out. And the second that he straightens out and looks at them and smiles, the three of them get hit by the surfboard. <laughs> and it was just a, a funny turn on that joke. It's like I said, it's the best version of the dumbest joke. No, no, you're absolutely right. I give the movie snaps for establishing a motif at, in the first scene and then resolving it in the last scene. And there. There's a another scene that we didn't talk about because it was gross and and why worth mentioning it. But just to kind of further illustrate this point, where uh, very early into the road trip, they're all you know riding a certain you know um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for formation. Yeah, and I think Tim Allen's in the front, and Tim Allen gets smacked in the face by a couple of bugs, <laughs> and it's disgusting. Yes. Yeah, and as they each start laughing at him, they all get bugs in the face, except for John Travolta. And so John Travolta takes the lead, you know, laughing all the way. And as soon as he gets to the front, since it happened to the other two, you're expecting him to get hit in the face with you know a massive bug or something, but instead he gets hit in the face with the fakest looking crow, and. <laughs> It comes out of nowhere, and it's so stupid, but it's just a slight enough turn on the joke to make it funny. I, no, I agree that that I I think I actually did laugh out loud for that. I did not I did not expect that, 
but like uh, the last thing I thought was just him, like because like it hits him in the face and it like sticks to him and he's like screaming. It's it's pretty yes. it's pretty good. Yeah. But but the la- the last thing we see though, they get knocked off their bikes by the surfboard, and we just get William H Macy chuckling to himself, and then cut to black. And I do like that William H Macy ends the film as the winner. That yeah. is. There is also a sense of justice to this that, you know, unlike Home Improvement, where Tim always has to win. Now, I want to talk about these outtakes or, or the, the the credit scenes. I guess oh, they're not outtakes. boy. Put another two hours on the clock, folks. <laughs> We've never made that joke before. Um, the the uh, What do you call this? It's like. It's a moment of just having fun. You're able to step outside of the world of the movie for a little bit and have fun with the characters. F- fun in heavy, I feel heavy like quotation I've, marks. Yeah, I, I feel like I've seen this sort of thing. Like, this kind of has end of dodgeball vibes. Yeah. Where it's Ben Stiller, you know, having gained back all the weight. F- fuck fat suits. But, yeah. you know, like, it's it's no longer in the realm of the narrative. And so they can kind of do goofier things like this wouldn't have fit in the film what this is is just a a shot for shot parody not even it's just extreme makeover home edition it is just like a segment from extreme makeover home edition with the host of that show for our younger listeners if we have any there was a show in the mid-2000s where where uh charismatic host and a bunch of contractors would go find disadvantaged people whose homes were falling apart and they would put them up in a hotel for a week, make over the home. And then they would at the end do an exciting reveal of the home. And we'd film all the tearful reactions of people looking at their new thing. Um, so it's that it's the host of extreme makeover home edition. They've got all the Del Fuegos out there and it's like, move that bus. And they move the bus and we see this very CGI newly redone, fancy Del Fuego bar. And, and then it's just cutting to all these interviews with different members of the Del Fuegos talking about how much the bar means to them. It's just Ray Liotta just crying a lot. Uh, no, like, it's it's a great performance by J- uh, Ray Liotta because he doesn't yeah. say anything no. in this whole sequence. No, it's just all uh, him sobbing. Just, it's it's him trying to hold back the tears because he's, you know, a tough guy. Yeah. And so th- throughout, they cut to him like three different times and he's at various stages of not being able to hold back the tears. And uh, it's just, it's a really... Even in this kind of throwaway gag, Ray Liotta showing his comedy chops. I, I yes, I nothing but respect for Ray Liotta. By the way, rest in peace. We haven't said that yet. Yeah. But, but God bless yeah. uh, Fallen King. Uh, also, this movie has a fair amount of tough guy actors crying in it. I mean, at least Travolta and Liotta both are like break down in tears <laughs> well, at different times. I, uh, Ray Liotta, or, I mean John Travolta, plays a kind of tough guy. I don't. I would never call John Travolta in real life a tough guy. No, I would not. I would not call. I would not really call almost any actor a tough guy in real life. But but like John Travolta, (laughs) there are a few I would. But there there are a few. There are a few. But even like I don't know. I don't think The Rock is a tough guy in real life. Like I I I mean you know I wouldn't fight him. Toxic guy. He 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 strikes me as someone that maybe has a toxic work ethic. Yeah yeah you know I I you could say whatever. Like I just I don't think that anybody who like you know has uh, I don't think anybody who's like drinking coconut milk in his trailer is really a quote unquote <laughs> tough guy. I'm just saying John Travolta, who's like marketed, like he's most famous for playing a hitman uh, and a loan shark. Like that's, you know, reputation as a tough guy. Why are we extending this episode? They, so it's just a lot of like, 
interviews with the different Del Fuegos talking about how much the bar means to them and how important this is. And thanks to our friends, the Wild Hogs, who nominated us to be on the show and get our bar rebuilt. And it's intercut with shots of the Wild Hogs sitting at their bar back home in Cincinnati watching this on TV. And it's just, it's, it is a bit that is like, it just immediately irrelevant. Like it's this thing that has no staying power whatsoever. Like the, the, the yeah. you put it in there and it's like, yeah, this well, it's not meant to, I don't think it's just, it's not like, like if you're making a movie, you, you make this assumption that people will watch this down the line. And yes, some of our references will go out of vogue and but whatever, but like for it to be like, this is going to be a note perfect parody of a show that, is on right now a reality tv the most disposable form of television just <laughs> yeah. it's it's like if it's like if a movie nowadays ended or like if a movie in 2012 ended with the entire cast doing the gangnam style dance <laughs> you know and it's like that just okay that, i'm not sure a movie didn't do that i mean probably one of the shrek movies did it's probably in there <laughs> uh I, um yeah okay it just it just comes uh, out of nowhere we we have to watch this trailer, but we never got around to this this big question I wanted to pose. Um, what is Wild Hogs I, I about? Mentioned, oh, sorry. I mentioned well, kind of. I mentioned it in the last episode uh, or the first part of this episode that I would uh, ask you a world rocking question. Oh, um, we, my world still hasn't been rocked. I'm sorry. I assumed that you'd rock yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. No, no, not yet. This is the question, um, and I I don't I don't know how much there is to mine from this, but it. it occurred to me while watching it this is clearly a movie about yes. four guys if true so that, far as you said felt emasculated by their lives yep. and so you know even previous to the start of this movie started a little uh biker gang a uh, biker group mm-hmm. really yeah and uh a biker get together yeah they, biker squad <laughs> they uh, decide to go on this big adventure to rekindle the excitement in their lives. I'm not sure we actually spoke the phrase midlife crisis yet. Yeah, I guess not. Probably So didn't. what I want to ask you is in 2023, with the generations now, like the boomer generation, which I feel like defines the midlife crisis. Yes. They are now in their entering their twilight years, hopefully. Uh, hopefully, with Generation X being burnouts from the start, uh, and ending up as you know tech startup yuppies, millennials kind of getting the short shrift of <laughs> the fallout of the Reagan years, and yeah. you know, uh, etc. Boomers never letting go. Um, Zoomers, you know, Gen Z. Just entering into a world of chaos. Yeah, just uh, vaping and quiet quitting and floss dancing yeah. and making their TikToks where they point at text. Yeah, exactly. Where they don't, none of those generations have the like first half of their life to build a comfort cushy thing um, to have a crisis about midway through. Mm-hmm. My question is, is the midlife crisis a thing of the past? Is it specific to boomers? I can't imagine younger generations having a midlife crisis because they are having a full life crisis. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think, I think, I, I think that is correct. There, I think that the midlife crisis is over because, like, it, it, 
it's it's a thing that really is like, oh man, I've I've achieved everything I wanted. Everything went great for me, and I've I've you know. I, I have a higher standard of living than my parents did, and I have achieved all there is to achieve, and now I don't know what to do with the rest of my life. Right. And, yeah, for I think instead of the midlife crisis, the rest of us have the climate crisis and the democracy crisis, and... Uh, it's, just, it's, it's, it's splintered into many, many other existential crises that... that are not age specific. Yeah. And, and you know, the response to a midlife crisis is to start driving a convertible and offering younger women cocaine. Whereas I don't really <laughs> like the The solution to the climate crisis is, uh, I mean, I don't, I mean, have you tried driving a convertible and offering young women cocaine? I, I mean, if it's an electric convertible, that might help. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if the cocaine still needs to be there, but it would be a shame if we didn't at least give it a shot. Have we, have we tried cocaine as a renewable source of energy? I don't know. I mean, honestly, I feel like I actually I think that might have been that might have been one of Hunter Biden's excuses uh, when he when he was in court. So that that might have actually, you know, he he was on the board of an energy company for a while. So he was we, we put our best men on the case. Oh, dear God. So anyway, I, I just it occurred to me while watching this. I'm like. I think the midlife crisis movie is over. I don't. I don't think we'll see any more of those. No, I mean the closest that we'll get to like a a you know millennial or Zoomer wild hogs is like four four old friends like trying to play Goldeneye together again or trying to log on to their old <laughs> Minecraft server and they oh no all yeah. the, the creepers well, are all over the place we have to rebuild our fort. I think the midlife crisis movie has turned into like the elderly. Uh, we're not. You know, age hasn't drug us down yet. Yeah, movie. Uh, you know, the book clubs, the eighties yeah. for Brady's. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that those are just those could have exi- existed. You know, in Jane Fonda's, you know, forties. Yeah, no, rather I, than her eighties or nineties. Yeah, that we just would have been forty for Brady, uh, or, or except <laughs> it would have been like forty for Larry Zonka or, or something. Or forty for Marty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how you get the Zoomers on board. You get uh, you, you get Jane Fonda lusting after one of the Rick and Morty characters. Um, <laughs> I, I no, I I think that yeah, the the, the midlife crisis movies are they they still exist, but they are marketed to boomers. They are about boomers, and it's now just no longer midlife crisis. It's like Twilight. Like there's probably gonna be one of these about like. I don't know, planning funerals, which I guess is the bucket list, actually. So, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 until until the last boomer has breathed their last, these movies will continue, but they will be less and less accessible and relatable to the rest of us civilians. <laughs> well, I haven't tried re- watching uh, Book Club, the next chapter. So uh, from my understanding, that is not accessible at all to anyone under the age of seventy, I, I mean, yeah. Look, I I haven't tried uh, I haven't tried watching eighty for Brady, but I think I've listened to enough podcasts about it to know that it's 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 the the only thing less accessible to me than uh, for wealthy old people trying to find something new in their life is enjoying pro football. So I, I got <laughs> nothing for me to take away from that film. No, no. Um, okay, now we're. I think we should watch the trailer for Wild Hogs because I I posed the question to you at the end of um last week or uh, not last week but last movie last month uh, at the end of at the end of Zoom yeah whether or not uh the uh song Born to Be Wild would play at any point during this movie and I had looked it up um and it learned that it didn't but I have not watched the trailer yet so 
I want to play a game with you as to whether or not you think Born to be Wild will play during the Wild Hogs trailer. I mean, uh, I think, look, my, my vote is yes. from Purely from a marketing standpoint and mm-hmm. an advertising standpoint, the one of the 50% of the title of the movie is in the chorus of born to be yes. wild. That's like now that's like made for cutting to the title card on. So I'm going to say yes. Okay. I, I think I'm also going to say yes. Since we're both saying yes, we agree um, in agreement. We agree. And we are in agreement. I'm going to make it more complicated because that's just what I do. Parameters um, and we parameter. Do you think, do you think that born to be wild starts the trailer with like, a foot hitting the gas pedal oh. and you're dun, 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 and then you you slowly start to see the four old men come into frame on their bikes at the beginning of the movie or do you think it comes in halfway through the movie or halfway through the trailer when you realize uh they're going out for adventure i think uh, i think it's going to i think it's i think it's halfway through because i think the i think the okay. the, the trailer is going to start with like shots of their boring lives and like that kind of music mm. and then and then it's like you know and then once it's like i love that music well, once what's we that get, song called uh, that, that's uh, that song is called i think uh requiem for a beginning of a trailer requiem for a comedy movie that doesn't have a very big license that blew its entire licensed music budget um, oh lord! No, no, no! But I, I, so I think it's it's that, and then once it's like we got to take a road trip, that's where it's gonna happen. Okay, all right. So you're, I'm gonna say it's gonna start the trailer. Okay, so I, I say now, it's the midpoint. The, we've got our we've got our wagers. Okay. So, um, let's watch this uh, trailer together. Yeah, and uh, I guess you can you can play the audio so people can uh follow along with us. Yes, but. yeah, and <laughs> enjoy with us, everybody. No, I've got your paperwork. Have you read it? You're not going to push me around. Don't insult me. Don't insult me. Money's never a problem. You're right. Yeah. You listen to Stop me. Up, bitch. You just have to honor the correct But this price. is you the song that? from Carmen, though. It's from an opera. What? It's not real. <laughs> well, yeah. Go home, Toby. You make me sick. I can't do this many leaves for 10 bucks. Grow up, Toby. <laughs> Mac, I kind of wish the movie had more whipping sound effects like he kicked you. Searching alternative sex. What? Listing. No, shut down. Barnyard love. Well, but they they got different shots of the laptop to avoid showing porn. Yeah. A softball pitch. You think you're good at this? You got to get a nut shot in the trailer. But a flash, because you can't show it graphically. Hit him in the nuts. Okay, this is. Wow. Oh my god. This is it. Whoa! They're playing Collective work. Soul. I wouldn't have called that. What do we have to look forward to no. anymore? In my day, ladies stayed home, not the lazy men. In your day, the men were busy building pyramids. I think you all need this trip. They may not know how to ride. Ooh, slow ride. Okay, yeah, not yeah, born to be wild. Tapping thing. No, you gotta work They're on the bike us. riding thing. But when they hit the road, they had no oh. idea it would hit back. <laughs> Okay, that is a trailer bit. <laughs> she is perfect. I wanted to say Wait, something funny, do you think the bull's gonna be in here? Black oh boy, black jokes is in there though. Please do tell. I think the bull's gotta be in here. Pictures. The bull's gotta be. Yeah. They went looking for an adventure. They're using the lyrics. What did you do? Maybe I blew up their bar. Oh! I know that was bad. Found a journey. Oh, baby! They never forget. Never let life get too safe. Every now yep. and then, you bull. gotta slap the bull. This will be There's interesting to see now that the bull's alert. 
Alert! Alert. You see the bull's huge nuts. This wild hog. Highway to hell. He does wear an AC DC Four men in a bed, spooning. You fellas don't even recognize just how lucky you are to have each other. Damn lucky. Are you wearing pants? No. Okay, well, so we're both wrong. Wow. Wow. I, I applaud the restraint for not using Born to be Wild at all I, in the trailer or the movie. Look, I wouldn't, I, I, it cannot be restraint. I think it is simply that, that, uh, wait, Born to be Wild is, is that Steppenwolf? No, that's Magic yeah. Purple, right? It's Steppenwolf? They, they do both. Okay, so I, I think that it's Steppenwolf not wanting to license out the song oh, for this movie. Fuck that. No way. No, look. Born to be wild is in wild America. I mean, I, there's no way that they're not like we're from the '60s. Give us all that. We have no income. Landon, give us the give us the residuals. Landon, there is a film that I may have mentioned before called Boogie Nights. There's a lot of songs yeah. from the '70s in it. The band Heat Wave refused to let their song Boogie Nights be in the so- movie Boogie Nights because, according to the lead singer, the song is about <laughs> dancing. It's not about sex and drugs. So it, it could very well be that just the the, pe- the Steppenwolf was like, no, 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 no. Born to be wild. It, it was. It's about freedom. It's not about being a wild hog. Or they're like, or, or Steppenwolf. I, they have shown. No restraint and no discerning before Wild Hogs. Why would they start with Wild Hogs? Either that or they asked so much money that they wouldn't. But, like, there has to... This was <laughs> not... that song is $10 to license. No, and it, there must be a reason. It, okay, if it's 10 bucks to license, then that's going to be the new theme song for grunt work then. Because we truly let's... were born to be wild. <laughs> let's let's give maybe uh, some of the, the creative talent here some uh, some credit. Maybe someone on this crew was like... Listen, I understand the movie we're making, but we just promise me we won't use Born to be Wild. No, no. The 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 old producers greenlighting this movie and living vicariously through the actions of the characters were all like like they're all like, "Oh man, could we get Born to be Wild in this? That would be perfect." You know, Wild is in the name of the movie. Like that's not No, there's there's no way. It had to be this Landon, our next podcast, it's going to be a serial style investigation of why the song "Born to Be Wild" does not show up in the movie "Wild Hogs." I am more fascinated by that than any true crime mystery I've ever listened to on a podcast. I am here for it. Uh, we're going to have to interview every living member of this crew well, and cast. I, I mean, the movie's not that old, so I think we're, we're going to be in luck. Most of them are, are there. The, the the worst part is that we're going to have to talk to John Travolta and Tim Allen. Well, um, okay. You no know, comment. Let, let's just let's just let's just let's only interview William H Macy, and it's just the the podcast will just be about us becoming great friends with William Ooh. H Macy. What if we got William H Macy to interview everyone else? Okay, I just that. produced it. I take that. That would be really good. That'd be really good. I think he comes cheap. You know, he <laughs> he needs. Uh, you know, he, he's got. Well, actually, you know, he he's desperate for for work right now. He's got to bail his wife out of prison. She's already out of prison. It's not. It's, too soon, too soon. Um, I think the only other thing I have to say is that the H in William H. Macy stands for hogs. And there, I'm done. I'm tapped out. <laughs> no more notes? No no more notes. Actually, no. One one more note. One more note. Okay. What I noticed right. watching this movie on Hulu uh, is that uh, typing in... Like, it's... You, you have to type a lot of the t- title Wild Hogs before Hulu will show you Wild Hogs. Like, it yes. it really wants you to watch... It wants to protect you from Wild Hogs. It, 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 it's like, which, oh, you want to watch Wild? Oh, you want to watch Wild Crime? 
You want to watch Wild Kingdom protecting the wild? You want to watch Wildlife Nation with Jeff Corvin? Like, you have to type <laughs> Wild Ho before Hulu will finally grudgingly admit that they have paid licensing fees to host wild hogs on their <laughs> server. And I think that's beautiful. Oh, this... I don't know how this got in here. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh. I'm sorry. I, I just got it for the interview. That's that's very embarrassing. <laughs> oh God. Um. Okay. So we covered everything you want to cover with Wild Hogs. You feel like we we've done this movie justice. Maybe if we do one more episode, then I think we'll fully have 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 scratched okay. the surface. Yeah. All right. We're good. Uh. I I have also hit all my notes for Wild Hogs. I think we can finally put this hog to bed we can we can send this hog off to the slaughter dear god come on come on put it up high five okay if you enjoyed these episodes and want to help us create even more episodes and help people find this show uh i'm mixing my outros here yeah woo getting crazy one thing you could do going wild One thing you could do is become a patreon subscriber over at patreon.com/gruntworkpod where all of your money goes right back into the show and helps us produce it, keep it on the air, and set us up for the next show, which is coming soon. It's going to be about... Huh? Ah, You almost got me. You almost got me. Wild tease over here. (laughs) The other thing you could do to help people find the show and support the show, uh, if you don't want to become a Patreon subscriber, is to rate us or review us on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts because the way the algorithm works oh boy they're only going to show show shows that have engagement mm-hmm. and so if no one's engaging with the show via ratings and reviews they're gonna be like that's a dusty old show nobody cares about yeah yeah and and look we care about this show and we keep writing to apple podcasts and being like yo we care about this show a huge amount why are you not like ranking us better but it, yeah much like you have to clap to make Tinkerbell be alive at the end of Peter Pan, you too have to uh, uh, like and subscribe to us to make our podcast be alive. Indeed, indeed. So you can go do that, and that costs you nothing but a few seconds of your time. Um, but if you want more information on today's episode, you can find that out uh, as, lo- as well as other episodes over at our website, which is www.gruntworkpodcast.com. Oh, Truman. Landon, what do you say we take a little Tim Allen break next week? I, you know what? Look, that would be that would be fine. I mean, of course. Also, we we took two weeks to get through this movie, so I, I mean, we've yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah. What, what do you what are you thinking? What are you feeling for next week? I, I'm listen. We went through an entire season without our our best friend. Oh, without without Teasus. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, yes. Uh, without without the JTT, um. And now that uh, Halloween is over, we're heading into the holidays. What do you say we go home for them? Oh, interesting, interesting, interesting. You're saying we watch planes, trains, and automobiles. All right. Yes. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna honor Thanksgiving, the far superior holiday that everyone forgets. Uh, yeah, I, I would know, but I I do that. I do that. Uh, cool. All right. Well, then next week, uh, join us here as we cover JTT. We revisit our old friend JTT. Uh, for the uh, romp 
of a holiday film, Home for the Holidays. That's what it's called. No, uh, that's not what it's called. That, that, no, that is that's what is what it's called. Uh, it's, it is. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, I don't. I think that's a Holly Hunter movie, Home for the Holidays. No, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it's it's or no, it's I'll Be Home for Christmas. That's the one. I'll Be Home for Christmas. There you go. That's the one. Look, I, well, things that we'll learn watching this movie. First and foremost, the title of the movie. That's one of the first <laughs> things that we will figure out once we fire it up, and you will uh-huh. learn right along with us. I'll be here next week covering I'll Be Home for Christmas. I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, if you blow up a motorcycle gang's bar, just tell your friends about it. If they're really your friends, they'll love you, they'll support you, they'll appreciate you, and they'll then help you escape from the motorcycle gang. It's a win-win. <laughs> <laughs>